Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Silva and Gold. Coming to the ring from parts unknown, the combined weight of 853 pounds, Piccolo and Dr. Zong. Further down the block, you went the batter it gone. Welcome to Sylvan Gold, Daddy. I am the loaf, and with me is Dr. Zom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dr. Zom is headbutting and elbowing through bricks today. Yeah. To- and today is my birthday. What? Yeah. yeah. I celebrated by squatting in front of the refrigerator when I got home and eating a sandwich that I made on my lap. Yeah. Very old. Very old. <laughs> uh, so this week on Zishu, we are covering Matsuzaka's Matsuzaka, Matsuzaka's uh, anti-hero double feature, uh, Kiss Me Deadly, a noir, a late noir from 1955, and Vanishing Point from 1970 and one. Zam, how are you, sir? Pretty good. Um, there's not much. It's like the the whole area here is just a, it's a flat circle everything is just everything there's no waves i'm mm-hmm. just kind of going along it's nice yeah, and yeah. things are kind of smooth that that car i don't know it's might be a little too big oh really it's weird getting used to it it's it's i think it, it even though it sits lower i think it might be bigger than your oh it's your wi- it's wider yeah so i feel like when a car is coming on the other side of the road Especially on like a little rural highway where there's not like big lanes, I feel like I'm like okay. If I go over too far, am I going to hit a guardrail? But if I go, am I riding the line? I mean, it's just weird. <laughs> so anyway, I'm just kind of a puss. I need like a little car. I like the you know just having like a little tiny car, like a clown car. Well, maybe in another ten years after this one wears out, you can get one of those. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't care. It's not a big thing. It's just a. It's um, I got this little crust here in the nostril, in the nostrum. Um, nothing's going on. I've just been, um, I don't know. God, man, maybe life just is kind of boring. Yeah, pretty much. I slept a lot this week. I watched a lot more movies than I thought I would, especially how I started because one night I went to bed at seven thirty and I laid in bed for twelve hours. <laughs> it was pretty pathetic. Our show, oh. yeah. We've been <laughs> the most slept, the most uh, depressed board uh, <laughs> podcasters on earth. No, everything's great. I it's um lots of comic book reading, some movies, some uh, motorcycle riding, playing with the dogs, getting uh, things in gear, getting all my uh, stuff taken care of. It's been it, it, but the thing is, it's been like rainy and kind of cold out. Which mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I don't mind it. It's fall weather. 
But, you know. Uh, I read I, some comics. I read some Tales from the Crypt comics. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Old stuff? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I like that. 1950. That's some good shit. Mm-hmm. Shit. So what have you been watching this week? Well, my goodness, ski, my fat stomach, uh, getting hairier. Um, let's see. No. As far as movies go, mm-hmm. I watched The Hound of the Baskervilles from 1959. Yeah. And this stars Peter Cush, Ing, the Cush. I watched him a couple times this week, too. Andre Morel and Christopher Lee. Um, Peter Cushing plays Sherlock Holmes. And uh, Christopher Lee's in this, and he seems like he is kind of young in this. And uh, very, t- I didn't realize how tall he is. He's very tall. Oh yeah. And uh, Peter Cushing actually, his face is more full. He doesn't have that kind of uh, sunken uh, Skeletor-like face. <laughs> but I've seen uh, different versions of the Hound of the Baskervilles. This one's pretty good. Um, and uh, I, wow, it was good. Let's see. What else have I watched? I need to click back. And I watched another. Now, that the, the Hound of the Baskervilles is sort of pseudo-horror. I mean, it's not uh, mm-hmm. like, um, oh, slashers or slasher or um, monsters or anything like that. But there's a time where you think there's a monster. Oh, shit. Spoil- Uh-oh. Anyway, Spoiler alert. <laughs> there kind of is. There kind of, actually kind of is. Anyway, but I'm going to get off that. Uh, cut, cut that. Edit that. Just kidding. <laughs> Uh, I'll cut it in post. We don't edit anything. <laughs> um, I watched uh, the House of Usher, uh, which was based on the, I guess, the fall of the House of Usher uh, mm-hmm. from 1960. This was uh, directed by Roger Corman. Uh, I think some people might know who he is. Um, it was written by Edgar Allan Poe, and it starred Vincent Price. Eh, Vincent Price. Um, I, I also the, watched a Vincent Price movie this week. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, this this one uh, I liked. It, it's, uh, it's very colorful. I like these old horror movies. I just find them fascinating. <clears throat> I would love to have been on the set. A lot of them remind me of uh, like Dark Shadows, uh, yeah. you know, the, like the Hammer ones and stuff like that. But it's pretty good. A little horror, horror-ish. Had some horror. This house had a big crack in it. It was weird. Um I watched now. This one is a is a uh, big recommend uh, from 2013 called Daba or the Lunchbox. Ooh. Uh, this was directed by Ritesh Batra, and it stars Irafan Khan, Nimarat like Kaur, and Nawazuddin Siddiqui. Um, this was really good. This is in your wheelhouse. Yeah, it is a uh, Hindi movie. Uh, Not Bollywood though. There's no music in it. Yeah, right? there's no. Well, uh, I mean, maybe like montage. Or there's no. No, there's no, no dance montage really. They play uh, just somebody plays a record with the song. Yeah. That somebody listens. But this is really good. It's a. Uh, God damn it! Maybe it's a hair there. Three hairs. I just had to pull out of my nose. <laughs> um, this is really good. It's very touching. It's one of these movies that, um, I, I guess, if you think that you're you're. Your heart is dead. You watch this movie and, you and you know, it's a nice movie. I liked it a lot. Uh, and it really is interesting because I guess um, I didn't know anything about um, these lunchbox services mm-hmm. that they have over there. And they, they have been studied, uh, have people come from foreign countries to study the efficiency of these lunchbox services. These guys on bicycles 
you know, stop at these places and pick up this food and they'll take them to these businesses that might have like 200 people working there and they, they, each lunchbox goes to the right person every time. They never make a mistake, supposedly, and everything. But it's really, it's really interesting. God damn it. Wait a minute. Okay. <laughs> More hair. I need to get my nostril trimmer out. Um, 1942, Sherlock Holmes and the Secret Weapon. Now, this one, um, Basil Rathbone, he made lots of Sherlock Holmes movies and, um, he plays Sherlock Holmes. And Nigel Bruce is Dr. Watson. Now, in these, I, the, the stories are still good. They're still, uh, you know, they're whodunits and everything, and he's trying to figure out uh, what's going on, and his hair is fucking funny. But uh, <laughs> Dr. Watson is kind of like a, a, I don't know if I would say a buffoon, but he's there for comic relief. Oh. Whereas in a lot of uh, movies, I mean, even like the one with Robert Downey Jr. or some of the other ones, he's portrayed more as a, you know, uh, he's equal or you know equal, he's, he's, he's side, brains too yeah and he and yeah he's pretty cool but and the, they're they're funny i mean i like his kind of uh bumbling around shit but this was a good one it's on uh amazon prime um which was i think the other one was to baskerville uh next thing i watched and uh, do, 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 do. now this one is another big recommend and it's a fucking surprised me okay it's called The Flesh and the Fiends mm-hmm. from 1960, and it stars the Kush. Uh, this is based on a true story because when I started watching it, it definitely feels like a Hammer type of movie with that kind of uh, you know style. Right. But Jesus Christ. Okay, first of all, Donald Pleasance is in this, and I don't know if it was his first movie, but he's very young, and he is creepy. And <laughs> um, – I started watching it and I was amazed. Okay, it's black and white. I was amazed at like the tit and the nudity and shit nice. like that. But it's fuck the fact that it's based on a true. Or I looked up the real story and it mm-hmm. pretty much goes along with what was what happened. It's just like oh my god. And I hated Donald Pleasance. By the time this was done, I him and his buddy <laughs> they're like the Henry Lee Lucas and Otis Tool of the. Victorian age or something. Oh, I hated those motherfuckers. I'm just even thinking about the movie. I still hate them. But it's also was known as it had another name. Oh, I think it was just like maybe. Oh, uh, fiendish ghouls is another name for it. <laughs> fiendish ghouls. Yeah, but it's the flesh and the fiends from 1960. So it's definitely worth a watch. And the Kush kind of has a lazy eye in this too. I don't know why I added that, but he does. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been doing that's that's some horror there. I got some horror. Yeah. It's it's October. I'm doing my you're thirty you're thirty one days of horror yeah. minus twenty nine days. <laughs> I watched The Revenge of Frankenstein yeah. uh from nineteen fifty eight. Uh this was directed by Terrence Fisher and it also stars of the Kush. Um, that's the hammer. Yes, this one is a hammer. Uh stop. Hammer time. Um it's pretty good. Um, I there are some funny moments in it. Uh, I'm not going to give anything away because this just happens right at the very beginning. It's it seems like it's like starts right when, um, I guess right when f- maybe Bride of Frankenstein ends, and um, that one that one is the is the first Hammer sequel. Okay. 
So the evil of Doctor Frankenstein, I think one of the there's a there's the first one that's kind of like the remake of the Universal. Yeah, and then that one happened right after it. Yeah, well, it's it's um, it's like right in the first minute. And, and I watched the third one, Doctor <laughs> Frankenstein. 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 Now I always want to say it that way because of Gene Wilder, <laughs> but he uh, he's getting the fucking uh, getting put to death. They're giving him the capital punishment for all his shenanigans, and uh, but it 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 goes on from there. It's it's good. I like it, and and I like the ending. I'm not going to give anything away, but I bought a I bought this at uh, Big Lots. It was a nice. cheapie for like a well maybe two bucks, three three bucks, three bucks maybe. Um, I watched a movie called Criminal Law, and this starred – it's directed by Martin Campbell, and it stars Gary Oldman and Kevin Bacon. <laughs> now, this was from 1988, so this is when Bacon is just kind of uh, – I think he's trying to – because he, when he first started, he always played like the cocky, rich kind of asshole, like in um, – diner and shit like that with his little pug nose and arrogant attitude <laughs> well he's stepping into kind of serial killer uh shit here gary oldman mm-hmm. um i just liked it i i just the only reason i never heard of it and there's probably a reason why um but then somebody pointed <laughs> out they were that like gary oldman and kevin bacon were also in jfk together and what was the other one? They, there was another one they were in together, and I can't remember what it was. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, but it's like, was it Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon? Or yes. My, God, there's a nose in my hair. So uh, that's a good, that is a good one if, with Gary Oldman because that's a. <laughs> oh wait, no, it's not. He was hardly in anything. This one, this one was all right, but it, it's kind of I don't know. I can see why it uh, disappeared from the earth, and it was it's probably only on. Um, it was on in demand for free, but I th- it's one of those ones that's probably like Warner Archives or some bullshit because uh, right. it just came and went. And uh, there's a scene where uh, Gary Oldman is fucking his girlfriend. Now, it reminded me of sort of like these movies like uh, Munich where the guy has had some kind of emotional distress and then he's fucking his girlfriend, and he gets really super rough. And she's like, what the fuck's going on? He's like, rawr, 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 rawr. and he's fucking her, and he looks down, and he sees Kevin Bacon's face, which was hilarious. Uh, it was awesome. Oh. That was the best part of the fucking movie. Anyway, uh, <laughs> well, uh, I watched night. This was not a horror movie. It's from 1968. Uh, uh movie is called Via Rides, mm-hmm. uh, and the director is Bud Kulik. Uh, and it stars Joel Brenner, Robert Mitchum, and Charles Bronson. This one is a good one. And uh, I think it is also on Comcast In Demand for free in HD. It looked really Ooh. good. Uh, Bronson is um, Pancho Villa, who is played by Joel Brenner's sidekick. And he is really fucking awesome in this. He, I don't. I don't think he steals the show, but he definitely has some fucking charisma shit going on there. Uh, and um, I like that Pancho Villa to make the women, the, the, like uh, in the in one part, a uh, Mexican general rapes this woman, and she's totally fucked up in the head. She doesn't want to do anything to do with any man. Like this guy tries to dance with her, and she freaks out. So Pancho Villa to make her feel better marries her. But then the next town they go to, there's like some woman that's like her husband got killed or something. So he marries her. The next one they go and he marries another one. So he's like he's, he he says he does it just to, you know, I guess keep morale up. <laughs> I think that's what he said, which I thought was funny. <laughs> um, 
this one was just on TV. I haven't watched it in a long time. Uh, the Green Mile, directed oh, yeah. by Frank Darabont. Uh, I, have, I have that one on, on DVD. Well, this one, you know, I, I th- when it came out, I think I watched it so many. It's one of those Tom Hanks movies, you know, Tom Hanks. And it was a big hit for him. And I saw it so many times that, you know, I kind of put it aside and never thought about mm-hmm. it. And I never really read any Stephen King books, but I've seen Stephen King movies. Some of them, I think, really suck. And some of them I think are good. Um, this one is just, it's so weird, you yeah. know, cause Tom Hanks is such a feel good and it is kind of a feel good movie, but it's got some fucking weird shit in it. Yeah. Like when, uh, what's okay. Uh, Michael Clark Duncan, John coffee, when they take him to, um, uh, the warden's wife's, uh, she's really sick and in bed. And it's like, uh, there was some shit going on there. Cause you know, the warden doesn't know what's going on. And he doesn't know all the the odd or miraculous shit. So here come these guys that work for him, and they bring this giant black guy to his wife's bedroom. <laughs> and he goes over, and it's like, what would you be thinking? It's like, what the fuck, you know? <laughs> so anyway, and then uh, um, what's his name? Big Butt. Uh, <laughs> Sam Rockwell as Wild Bill <laughs> should have gotten a fucking uh, Oscar. He was so gross. He was so gross. What a he was so fucker. good. And then the little fucker that played Percy was awesome. I can't remember what his name was, but oh, yeah, he was very about. awesome too. Um, let's see. But it was good. I mean, you know, it's, it's, uh, I don't know. It's like, um, like when uh, I was talking about the lunchbox, mm-hmm. sometimes when it's like a feel good movie, you're kind of almost like, uh, it's kind of sappy or whatever, but, I don't know. It's just it's reaffirming. It's done well, and like I said, it had enough weird shit in it. And and that's the same with Chef. Oh, what did I just say? Did I just say Lunchbox. Lunchbox. Well, I meant Chef with uh, Favreau. Oh, right. um, that movie, just because something makes you feel good, and it's nothing to have like uh, John Favreau raping someone in front of his kid, and getting her <laughs> scalp off, and putting it on the kid, sewing it to the kid's head, or something like that. It's still good. Okay, next thing was, was from 1967, or 1960, I'm sorry. La Nuit de Rasputin, otherwise known as The Night They Killed Rasputin, um, directed by Pierre Chanal. And uh, this stars John Drew Barrymore. Okay. This is Drew Barrymore's dad. And mm-hmm. uh, he was not a, like a really great actor at all. He's kind of like a John Philip Law kind of a guy. If you look up some stuff about him. Uh, whereas um, John Barrymore was, you know, a really accomplished silent screen actor and really good guy. He's kind of like uh, Errol Flynn's son uh, or like I said, somebody like that who got into movies, but he's not really that talented. Now, when I watched this, I was like, man, you know, I know fucking John Drew Barrymore is, a, you know, speaks English, but it looks like his line, it, his mouth's not moving. Well, it's dubbed. I guess it was, I didn't realize it was made in uh, uh, France until oh. I just read this. And his voice, you over there, bring me some of that pussy. You know, he's like that, the way he talks. And this one dude... Was that a literal quote from the movie? It could be, because Rasputin was a fucking pervert. He thought the best way to get close to God was to sin as much as possible and to be, you know, uh, a latch and debaucherous and everything. And he had orgies and everything. This movie, I love it. I've watched it a bunch of times. I love Rasputin (laughs) movies like this. Um, There's a dude in this that sings. And there was another movie I watched 
uh, or maybe it was one of the Sherlock Holmes movies. He was just whistling a song, and you could tell that it's that it they just dub in somebody whistling because it's really loud, and it's like, and that's <laughs> the way this guy in this is singing. It's like when uh, you used to watch Gomer Pyle, and he'd be like, "Oh, hey, Sergeant Carter," and then when he'd sing, he'd be like, "Swing low, sweet chair," <laughs> which was Jim Neighbors singing, but it just didn't match up. That's kind of how this right. is. But that this guy was dubbed. Um, next thing I watched. Was now I've been this has been on the roadmap for a while, so I went ahead and watched it. Uh, 1981's Abel Ferrara's Miss or Ms. 45. Nice, is it Ms. or Miss? Miss 45. Miss 45. Um, I finally saw this. Now, I don't know what version I saw. I read where, it. where did you watch it? iTunes. Uh, okay. It has. To, I don't. I don't know which version that is. Yeah, either. I don't know either. Uh, I didn't even look to see how many minutes it was or anything like that. But it's sleazy. It's got some rape in it. Oh yeah, got some rape. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know what it was going to be or anything. I just remember seeing a nun with big red lips with a forty-five and it kind of turned me on. So anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. Th- did this chick? I don't know if she did anything else. There's something. I don't think it, she did. I think she was a model. Oh yeah, she looked like it. And 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 the fact that they made her a mute, maybe that had something to do with her acting skills. Uh, Probably. But it was all right. I, I you know, I <laughs> revenge chick movie, you know, and. Stuff like that. I, I mean, I didn't like do fucking somersaults, but it was pretty good. It was sleazy, which, you know, who knows? From Abel Ferrara, <laughs> who would have thunk? Uh, 1963's The Terror, also directed by Roger Corman, Francis Ford Coppola. And let's see, there's three more credits of who directed this. Monty Hellman and Jack Nicholson and Jack wow. Hill. They, like, what I, the hell? Now, I know that I cannot remember what movie they made. Either this one, I think they made another movie, and Corman had all the people assembled, so mm-hmm. he thought, okay, well, you know, he liked to, he was really frugal, so while they had everybody there, they said, well, let's just fucking make another movie real quick, and they just did it in like a couple of days, and uh, Nicholson and Boris Karloff were the stars. Uh, I have never seen this. I The only thing I had seen was Nicholson, uh, like a clip of Nicholson showing up at this castle. And he's telling Boris Karloff, you know, who's the woman I saw in the in the window? And Boris Karloff's like, there's no – this new woman here. And it's funny <laughs> watching Karloff uh, – Speak? <laughs> yes, because of his speech impediment. It's just – I don't know why it's distracting to me, but he does have like a lisp. Um, and uh, he says, you know, there's no woman here. And Nicholson says like, you know – I, if if you don't start telling me the truth, I'm going to come back with a company of men and tear this place apart brick by brick until I find her. It's a good movie. It's another one in the style of kind of a hammer type movie, uh, but I liked it. It's uh, see, you get to see Jack Nicholson. Jesus Christ, he looks like he's you know maybe mid twenties in this. I don't know. He might have been. 30. He probably was. He was very young. Nineteen sixty three. Yeah. So anyway, I watched that, and I think that might. Be- it. That was another horror. No, I watched Terror by Night. Another horror. Was another Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce. Uh, nope, not, not horror. Sherlock Holmes movie uh, directed by Roy William Neal. Um, this one was pretty good. Um, uh, I have seen, while I was watching it, I realized that I had seen this in another version. It was probably the Jeremy Brett 
uh, Sherlock Holmes TV show. But I just remember, you know, it's on a train. Uh, this woman hires Sherlock Holmes to uh, protect this the star of Rhodesia, this big diamond, and all the shit that happens on the train. I love these movies like that. That's why I wish we had like high speed rail here that went across country or whatever. Because there's always a murder and and people fucking and like nymphomaniac. There was some shit that happened on the train. If you're on a train and you're cooped up like that, you know somebody's gonna get murdered. Somebody's gonna get fucked. And and if you did like the like the Mile High Club on an airplane, you're going into like a, a little tiny laboratory that you could barely fit in yourself to take a shit but if you're on a train you have those <laughs> compartments you know what i'm saying yeah so it yeah. doesn't have anything to do with the movie but i thought it was cool that's all i had <laughs> <laughs> um like i said i slept a lot but i did catch up i had a couple days off so i watched movies and fucked around um i watched i watched one called night of the living dead resurrection now mm. this movie was not good at all, but <laughs> it was an interesting failure because it's, you know, it's shot on home camera or whatever. It's a, it's a Welsh zombie movie. They stole the name because it really has nothing to do with Night of the Living Dead, but interesting because they focus on it's 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 a zombie movie that could have been done right. The actors were really bad, which re- really didn't help it at all. Mm-hmm. The zombie makeup was fine. It could have been an interesting story. Something about it just didn't click right. It has a two point four on IMDb. I would say it's like a four. But what would was, I rate it? You'd probably rate it like a a, a one. <laughs> um, it 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 had it didn't do anything new. I'll say this for it. With unlike a lot of zombie movies that are like this cheap, I usually don't want to make it through it. I watched this whole thing, so it it did something. I just don't know what that something is, but it was all right. Not 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 anything to write home about, but an interesting failure of a movie. And it's from 2012. Um, I watched. Well, I watched another Night of the Living Dead. I watched uh, Tom Savini's Night of the Living Dead from 1990, and I had not seen this since. I traded cookies for the VHS tape rental from the next door action video uh, when I worked at Subway. Um, the so I hadn't watched this since VHS days, and um, it's uh, it's still really good. Um, I was, somebody was saying on the group that the, the theatrical cut is the only one that is out there still. So I'm curious if the, uh, an unrated cut would ever show up. Um, it does kind of, especially for Savini, pull some punches with gore and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, it's, it makes some slight changes to the story of Night of the Living Dead, um, which I was okay with. It's its own, it's its own thing. Um, so that basically it's the character of, of Barbara, Barbara, um, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it makes some changes to her essentially. Um, uh, but it's good. I like it. Uh, and I watched uh, uh, Birth of the Living Dead. This um, is a uh, documentary about um, Night of the Living Dead. Uh, they talk about the making of it. They interview George Romero. They interview um, a lot of people that, I guess, experienced the movie when they, they saw it in the theater uh, when it first came out, that sort of thing. And uh, Roger Ebert shit on it the first time. <laughs> Uh, surprise, surprise. Sorry. 
It's okay. And uh, <laughs> we just lost a listener. Um, <laughs> so it's just uh, you and me now. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's pretty cool. It kind of goes into what he was doing before Night of the Living Dead. He was filming commercials and stuff. Um, he he worked on Mister Rogers. Have you ever been um, to the mall, the the Monroeville Mall, where they shot uh, the uh, second one? Uh uh-uh. uh. And you know what? All the time. I mean, it's like an hour and a half away from here. I I have a tradition of watching um, Dawn of the Dead. Mm-hmm. On my birthday, so after we stop recording, I think I'm going to go watch it. Yeah, happy um, birthday, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, here you go. Um, I'm only 28 years old. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> the uh, Birth of the Living Dead is good. It's on Netflix Instant. Um, if you like Night of the Living Dead, it's pretty cool. There might not be a lot of whole new information in here, but they talk a lot about the whole, you know, the the atmosphere of the 60s and. What he ended up doing with the movie with regards to that being like, you know, the protest era and stuff like that. So it's pretty cool. Um, I watched uh, – so on iTunes last week, there was a, a two-for-ten-dollar deal for Gremlins and Gremlins 2. And I know you hated Gremlins, so you probably don't want to see Gremlins 2. But Gremlins 2, I watched it. Another one I would not seen since VHS days, and it's pretty wild. You know, the first one was um, very uh, referential to movies. Yeah. And and had that kind of wink wink nudge nudge kind of mindset to it. This one goes even further, um, and actually has people like talking to the screen at times. Um, the uh, Joe Dante directed this one too. Uh, Christopher Lee's in it. Plays this genetic scientist, and at one point he comes out of the out of this room with these guys doing tests, and he's carrying one of the pods from. Um, uh, 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 Ah, fuck, the Pod People movie. Um, you know what I'm talking about. But he's carrying one of those seed pods from... What's the movie I'm thinking of? Uh, <laughs> invasion of Body Snatchers? Yes, he's carrying one of those pods. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't say what it is, but it's obviously one of those. And uh, there's even a scene where the gremlins break the film, and uh, this gut usher goes into the theater and, like... And they, the Gremlins put on a movie of some kind of like topless volleyball movie, and uh, <laughs> and they they it goes into the theater. This usher goes into the theater, and Hulk Hogan is there in his full red and red and yellow with his belt on. And the guy asks for help, and Hulk Hogan stands up and starts yelling at the Gremlins in the projection booth to put the Gremlins two movie back on. It's pretty funny. Um, which I had never seen that take of it. This is why I didn't remember. My brother brought this to my attention. When we would have watched it on home video, they had changed that scene. Um, So this is the theatrical cut they have on iTunes. They had changed the scene for home video to be John Wayne telling them to put the VHS tape back together. Mm. Even though John Wayne was dead, they had to voice him over. Um, I watched my Vincent Price movie, House on Haunted Hill. Oh, I like that one. Yes, Vincent Price is pretty awesome. Um it is on I think it's on Netflix. I watched it on my iPad. God damn. There's a there's one scene in that. I watched that in a hotel somewhere. I don't know what maybe it was when I went to uh the first fan fest and you, I was just waiting for you to get off work or something like that. But mm-hmm. I watched it on, in a hotel somewhere. I just remember and there's that one scene with that old lady and it fucking fuck <laughs> Yeah, you you posted eep on my picture. Yes, it, yeah. that is oddly shit. She like floats by and the woman shits herself. Yeah, yeah, I just that was pretty was like you know 
this isn't that scary. You know, it's kind of like an old school black and white <laughs> horror movie. And then that happened. And I was like, Jesus. Yeah, it was funny. I, I liked it. It was a good one. So um, I watched The Stuff from 1985, Larry Cohen. This is kind of a. It's a it's it's a it's kind of making fun at the consumerism and stuff like that. And uh, basically, this guy discovers this white, fluffy stuff that oozes out of the earth, and he starts. Um, they basically start harvesting it and selling it, and it tastes delicious. People buy it. It looks like marshmallow fluff, sort of, but it basically turns everybody into zombies as they eat it. Um, kind of like uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers style, except. But except after a little while, the stuff starts oozing back out of their face, and they turn inside out. Um, <laughs> but uh, you'll the the stuff theme song is pretty funny. I kind of want a stuff T shirt. Um, the movie's it's it's pretty good, not awesome. Um, Michael Moriarty is very deadpan, and and it's a weird it's a weird like toned movie, um, very low key. I wish it was a little scarier or something. But it relies a little too much on Yeah, what? Um, buff the stuff. Yeah. I watched Fido from 2006, another uh, horror like comedy. One. This one was really good. Um, it's um, it is a it's kind of like an episode of Lassie with a zombie. <laughs> um, and what's her face is really sexy in it. Um, Gary Moss. Gary Ann Moss, yes, from from the Matrix. She was sexy in that fifties garb. This is on next. This is on Instant and on Prime. Uh, funny movie, uh, well done with the setting and stuff like that. And they got the tone just right for what they were trying to do. Yeah. Uh, check it out. Uh, oh, and he plays. Um, Watch that one again. I really. Yeah, it's a it's a pet zombie, but ever it's like a zombie. Corp- <laughs> it takes place after this zombie apocalypse where. A the Zomcon or Zombiecon or whatever has figured out how to contain them. So all the cities or all the towns on Earth, and they're like the you know the 1950s town, but they're all surrounded by fences. And uh, all the zombies that are here, they can wear these collars that turn them subservient. And um, it's good. It's really funny. I was surprised. I thought it was going to be like cheaper than it was, but it was well done. Uh, I watched Black Death 2010. Uh, this is a. It's about the bubonic plague. It's a, I guess, a Middle Ages <laughs> horror movie. Uh, Sean Bean is in it, and uh, a bunch of other people I didn't recognize. And basically, they a, a monk and these guys are on a trek to go to this town that has, for whatever reason, not been stricken by the plague, and they are looking for a necromancer that is keeping everybody alive. Um, interesting. It's all right. Not great. Um, it's all right. It's on instant. You can watch it. It's about an hour and a half. Um, I watched the horror of Dracula. Uh, this is a very early hammer Dracula movie. I don't know how early, but, um, this one has the Kush and the Lee, um, and the Kush plays Van Helsing and he's going to kill Dracula as he did several times. So, uh, this is from the late fifties. It's gotta be a pretty early pretty early one um it's not it seems like it takes place right after what would have been the original dracula story uh i watched tales from the crypt 1972 that's what made me start reading the comics um it's a it's 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 like a it's a movie with several parts joan collins is in it and looks hot and she doesn't wear a bra um 
And uh, basically, everybody shows up in this room. Uh, they're taking a tour of a crypt in, somewhere in England, and the crypt keeper meets them, and they all sit around, and he shows them each how they're going to die, and it's all this, you know, these ridiculous. If you ever watched the Tales from the Crypt TV show and you haven't seen this, it's a similar kind of feel. Uh, there's always some ironic way somebody dies, or you know, something like that. But um, it's good, and the the comics have it, it nailed the comics pretty dead on the tone of it. So it's a fun one. Check it out if you haven't seen it. Uh, I watched S- Slime City. Well, this thing, um, it, this probably had a five thousand dollar budget. Um, it's about a a guy he moves into an apartment building, and he goes to eat dinner at his neighbor's place, who feeds him some kind of weird yogurt looking stuff, and th- gives him this wine, and uh, it ends up making him basically melt, and he keeps melting, and until he murders somebody. <laughs> And in the, the and I was I started eating some chili while, while I was watching it, <laughs> and it almost got me. Like there's not many, there's not often that a movie kind of will where I have to like stop eating for a second. <laughs> this one almost got me with the chili. The only time I can think of otherwise, I was eating cottage cheese when I when I watched them slaughter the sea turtle in fucking uh, cannibal holocaust. Yeah. <laughs> that one got that that one got me too. Oh. Um, this one was pretty good, though. I mean, it's not scary, but it's really gross. Um, I watched The Invisible Man from 1933. Um, this, uh, oh, I like that. Eh, what's that? I like that one. Yeah, yeah, classic story. I love the guy's laugh, um, Claude Rains, as when he's just cackling. <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's, it's good. The special effects for 1933 were really fucking cool, with, like, this pants running down the road, and when he takes his... Um, and I was reading about how they achieved some of it. Like they had a dummy head underneath that was the same color as the backdrop they were using, so they could kind of erase it. So when he would unwrap his head, it looked invisible underneath. It's pretty cool. Um, I watched Frankenstein from 1931. I had never seen this one before. I have seen the Hammer <laughs> remake of it, but I've never seen this one. And it's pretty awesome. Very moody. Looked fantastic. Um. They changed the ending to the Frankenstein story. I've seen the Robert De Niro one too. <laughs> um, they changed the, they kind of changed it a little bit, but uh, it worked for the '30s. And I was reading on this one about how they um, they tried to they they tried to edit it a ton, um, cut cut out a bunch of scenes like with a, with Frankenstein yelling that he felt like God and stuff like that. And in Kansas, apparently, I think it was this one. They wanted to crop it so much it was going to make it like 35 minutes long. Ooh, don't insult yeah. gold. Yeah. So I wanted I watched Rats Night of Terror. This is a Bruno Mattei horror movie, a post-apocalyptic horror movie of this group of of motorcyclists that end up in a city that is overrun with these smart flesh-eating rats. <laughs> uh there if 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 animal cruelty bothers you don't watch this one because they're just fucking dumping buckets of rats on people yeah. and one dude is on fire and he has a rat on top of his head Ugh. um i don't know if the rat caught on fire but couldn't have been very exciting for the rat but i mean this is pretty wild lot tons of bruno Mate screaming in it um it, it, this is not for everybody but it's pretty fucking entertaining yeah. um and then i watched uh frankenstein created woman 1967. This is the third Hammer Frankenstein movie. And this has the Kush as Baron Frankenstein. Um, there is no big green sewn together monster in this one. 
the reanimated corpse is uh, played by Susan Denberg, who is really hot. So there's that. I posted some pictures for her on the Facebook group. And I started watching The Bride of Frankenstein, but I didn't finish it, so I'll talk about that one next week. That's all I watched. I was kind of looking Um, forward to hearing about that. That one's on uh, Daily Motion, if anybody wants to watch that. It's like the French YouTube, so it's good. And then that's it. So why don't we take a break, come back, and talk about some... What do you want to do first? Let's do Kiss Me Deadly first. Okay. All right. We'll be right back. Are you tired of the same old pop culture podcast? Do you listen to those other podcasts and think to yourself, why aren't they talking about the things I'm interested in? Hi, I'm Reverend Scott, and when I want to listen to a couple of guys with their appendages on the pulse of pop culture, Penis. I listen to the Are You Serious podcast. Hear news about politics and religion where hosts Chris and Frank ask the tough questions. You woke up with a cock in your mouth. Would you take it or leave it? Yeah, exactly. How big is the cock? <laughs> You'll hear entertainment news about your favorite movies and TV shows, plus plain old wholesome discussion about the lives of Chris and Frank. I mean, now I am, like, tattooed. It's weird. It's like I've, I guess I should explain what I got. Yeah. It's three swastikas. Each one interconnected. To look like a smiley face. And on my left arm is cock and balls. And you notice I looked at my right the arm. Character from an old that. Disney film. It's the prequel to Song of the South. Exactly. No, I have, it's um, called Song of the Cock and Balls. <laughs> it sounds like this. So when you think pop culture podcast, remember this. What's that thing between the dick and the asshole? The Are You Serious Podcast on iTunes or AreYouSeriousPodcast.com. Jeff's choice, and I should have listened to it because it took forever to start. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh, Kiss me deadly from 1955. <coughs> a doomed female hitchhiker pulls Mike Hammer into a deadly whirlpool of intrigue, revolving around a mysterious great what's it? Uh, <laughs> directed by Robert Aldrich. We've done a lot of his movies now, haven't we? Um, Tom. Yeah. Hey, what? You've seen this one, right? Uh, no. I no, I've never seen it. I didn't. I, I had no idea what this was, and it. It. Yeah. First it's, time viewing. First time yeah, calling. Me too. What'd you think of old Kiss Me Deadly? Well, I'll tell you what. First of all, I think that Mike Hammer, the way he talks in this movie, is like okay. If I had a name, <laughs> Mike Hammer. Yeah. Okay. Now, if if now this is me. If if my dad would have named me Mike Hammer, I would grow up to be the exact opposite of Mike Hammer. I'd be a big pussy and like read comic books and fucking what. Anyway. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, I have seen some Mike Hammer movies, and I watched the Mike Hammer TV show with Stacy Keach. My mom was in love with Stacy Keach. She thought he was the sexiest man alive when he was doing that Mike Hammer TV show. 
and then he got caught for fucking uh, be, uh, for possession of cocaine. And at that time, like nowadays, if that would have happened, nobody would have given a shit. <laughs> you know, he might have went into rehab, which he, I guess he did go into rehab and everything, but it pretty much fucked his career up. The show yeah. like immediately went off the air and – you know, I think they brought it back, but it was never the same. But anyway, and then the the one with Armand Desante is one of my favorite sleazy ass movies. Uh, I the Jury, and I saw one that actually starred Mickey Spillane as Mike Hammer, and Mickey Spillane is the writer. And uh, he is definitely not an actor. Uh, he was better in the light beer from Miller commercials, taste great, less filling, than he <laughs> was in that movie because he was horrible. Anyway, now this is Kiss Me Deadly from 1955. Mike Hammer. Um, this one, um, Hammer is always uh, macho. He's like a man's man, like a 50s <laughs> yeah. man's man. Macho, two-fisted. He'll fucking duke it out with anybody. And, uh, you know, even if somebody gets him, he's the kind of guy, like, if they tortured him, he wouldn't, you know – wouldn't talk and you know they could probably like he's kind of a, he's he's kind of a dick yeah in this one he is anti-hero isn't even the word for it. he's a <laughs> he's, fucking scumbag man and i like it he's the kind of guy he's he smiles after almost getting stabbed he's oh, yeah. slamming a dude's head against the wall kind of, throwing him down a flight of stairs breaking some poor fat bastard's fingers yeah and not only that but one of the worst things was velda who is his trusted secretary. Now in the other <laughs> movies, you know, she's, she's his secretary and they have that sexual tension and there's probably stuff that has happened, but it's, it's more or less like uh, he's always going, she knows how he is. She loves him, but she knows he's a womanizer. He goes out and fucks all these women and everything. But in this one, he is such a scumbag that he like pimps her out pretty much. Yeah. Um, to the, they, he's a private to get eye. information. Yeah. He's a private eye. Um. And the cop even says um, – the, the one cop who uh, – let's see. What's his name? Um, Pat. Pat's in all of them. He's, the, he's Hammer's uh, police friend who was on, who, on, the, on the force that he always talks to and everything. And, uh, but he even says – he tells this other cop. He goes, yeah, he's a, he's a private dick you know, and, um, and he makes his living basically being a peeping Tom and – Almost like black – well, not almost. They blackmail these these people. They'll get a case uh, for uh, uh, like a wife that thinks her husband's cheating on them, and they'll go and um, watch the guy, take pictures of him, you know, and and then they'll sometimes they'll even play them against each other because they'll blackmail the guy and say, well, you know, we got these pictures on you, or Velda will go and fuck the guy. <laughs> <laughs> She'll definitely go out with him, and I'm pretty sure she's fucking him. And Hammer's yeah, they don't ever say that. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Mike Hammer's fucking her too. It's, but they say like, t- like you know, uh, why don't you uh, date? Want you to go date him? Because this is 1955, so there's ways that around how they, which is even though they're saying date, you know what they're fucking saying. <laughs> yeah. There's, yeah. you know, and um, so anyway, it's like God, what a fucking dick, man. He's a jerk. And uh, scumbag, he's like near sociopath, 
which is awesome. It's so good. <laughs> I thought this movie became an instant classic for me. <laughs> anyway. Just because of my camera. Yeah, my camera. And he looks like uh, one of our friends, Brian, who I don't want to say his last name on the show, but I swear to God when I was watching this, I even posted that he looked like him because when I was watching this, I think it, I don't know if it's the hair. I swear. I think it's just the way he looks and everything. I thought he looked just like him. Now, does, he, before, does he have an internet handled? Who I don't know. I don't no, know if no I know this. No internet handle. I'll okay. tell you after you know. When we okay. In in the the uh, confines of the, uh, the of the non recording realms. Something or other. Um, so anyway, it starts off with the bang as Mike's driving down the road, and now in the book, I guess the chick's like supposed to be completely naked. She's running down the fucking road, and it's Cloris yeah. Leachman. I think this is her first movie. She yeah she uh, it was hard to recognize her and she was I thought she was going to be in it more she was like yeah you know whatever and he picks her up which um, I've had that situation here in the past year or so where like I'd be driving to work in the middle of the night and it's pouring down the fucking rain and like I saw this girl walking down and I live out in the middle of nowhere and this girl's like walking down the side of the road and I thought to myself. Should I fucking stop and pick this girl up? I mean, it's, I mean, fucking torrential downpour. And then I get to work, and my friends are like, "No," he goes, "Jesus Christ, she could have been nuts. She could have been a fucking like on drugs. She could have been. She get in the car and fucking start yelling rape or something like that." I'm like, "Yeah, you're right. Ugh. I'm not like my <laughs> so anyway." Um, he picks her up, and then the, the the I guess in the book. Now this movie, there's a lot of stuff in here that has to do with the Cold War. Cold mm-hmm. War paranoia uh, with the you know the commies everywhere. Who's a commie? You know, and all the stuff like that. But now in the book, it's more just a, a straight up mafia story, where you know uh, that that's who the main villain kind of shit is. And but Aldrich kind of wanted to. First of all, he wanted to make Mike Hammer really sleazy, the sleaziest, meanest. I th- bastard. He might have. Succe- he, I think he succeeded at that. Yeah, and he added a lot of Cold War stuff because of all the uh, commie, Chip, communist yeah. paranoia. In H- did, did, did Dalton Trumbo write this? <laughs> it was yeah. It's, well, it's, it's, you know, I mean, the, 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 the screenwriter is probably it's probably they fucking AI Bezer Day Bezerdes Desert yeah. But it's what it seems like, you know. He also wrote the fucking for Big Valley, which was one of my favorite shows with Lee Majors, Linda Evans, Barbara Stanwyck, and Richard Long and Peter Brack. So I just want to throw that in there because my sister's probably listening to this. She loved that show too. Anyway, <laughs> um, so anyway, Mike. Um, Man, I'm t- and I, there were some parts in this where uh, you this fucker is not afraid of anybody. I mean, <laughs> this this one part, he's walking down the street and this guy is like shadowing him, and you can almost he almost like kind of gets like a grin like with glee that he's going to have like this confrontation because he's walking along, he stops and gets some popcorn, he stops and gets like a newspaper or something, and he can see the guy's cigarettes, reflection. yeah, the yeah. cigarette machine. He can see yeah. the guy's reflection, so he sees this big guy and it's a big hood, like a you know, uh, uh, like a like a guy like a mafia guy, you know, and but you know. If it was me, I'd be like, oh, fuck, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? He's like already knows what he's going to do, He and he's not a, he's not afraid of anything. He goes – turns down this alley, and I mean I loved the uh, the fist fights in this because it really – like the sound is like bam, bam. <laughs> he fucking knocks the fucking shit out of this guy, and there are scenes like that, and it's not like, like just uh, – he's the kind of guy that was like, you know, 
kick your knees out or kick in the balls or you know get, hammers a fucking he's he's sadistic all you know <laughs> like, the, the, like you said the one scene uh, this old bastard um i think it's the guy in the morgue uh, yeah the the coroner yeah he found the key and hammers like you know i want the key you know and the guy's like trying to you know uh, that corner was fucking creepy too. Yeah, he was real creepy. Like he's the kind of <laughs> he guy looked like a rat eating the fucking uh, the the, uh, the 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 dead women's pussies and stuff like that. <laughs> he's really gross. I mean, you think he'd probably like his hands probably stink and everything. And um, so anyway, um, he he tries to shake Hammer down and says, "Well, you know, I'll give you the key if you give me some money." And he gives him some money, and the guy's like, "Once more, he wants more." So then he he says, "Well, then you won't get the you won't get the key." He puts put the key in the drawer, and Hammer slams his fucking hand in the drawer, and it's like he's like enjoying that this that he's got this that this guy's in so much fucking pain. It is so that awesome. noise that the guy was making, like, so, oh, terrible. <laughs> There's a couple of scenes of this, like when Cloris Leachman's like, uh, well, I'll tell you another thing. Okay, I'm just fucking just rambling here because I love this. This movie's so good. Uh, <laughs> there's one scene in this um, where they take Hammer and this chick. These guys get him. Uh, and he doesn't know what's going on. He's like, what the fuck, you know? And um, But you hear her screaming. And he's Hammer's laying there, and he's out of it because he's either got hit over the head or drugged or whatever. And so he's just seeing bits and pieces, but she's just shrieking, she's screaming. And but you, you all you see is like her legs, like they have her hung up, oh, naked. Awful. But all you see is her legs, but you can see that her feet are off the ground. And the guy, when he's done, walks over and they said something about her, and they said, "Well, you don't have to worry about her, and you know, unless there's like a resurrection or something," because she's. Dead is basically what he's saying. And when he walks over, he puts these pliers down on the fucking counter. Yeah, all you see, all, it's it's uh, a cool scene because the the entire time dude. she is being tortured, Mike's unconscious or kind of semi conscious on the floor, and the camera pretty much stays on his level. Yeah. So all you see, you don't see the guy's faces that are doing it, and you see the guy's hands come down to his waist, and the pliers are in one uh. hand. And you still. Oh, and she just just shriek, and it's like those like curved, those like round headed pliers that it, like like yeah. a dentist would use to pull teeth out. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that was I hate that. I mean, it's just like oh my god, because that's like a Hitchcock thing where you you're what you're imagining they did to her is is you know is just like makes it yeah. even worse. Now Velda in this is I thought she was pretty hot. <laughs> yeah, okay. she was hot. I'll, I'll tell you my thing with Velda. Velda was hot from the front, yeah, but she turned to the side for me, and she was a little smushed, like she was a little flat faced. <laughs> yeah, but I, I will say this: that the um, oh, what's her name? Um, I'll have to. I'll have to wait. Hang on, sir. Um, the one that they had play her in "I the Jury" um, was it, she's at a lot of horror hound conventions and shit. Mm-hmm. And her name is Lorene Landon. She was in Maniac Cop. She was the oh, okay. Bruce Campbell. Jesus fucking Christ. You want to talk about a Velda? Big fucking tip. <laughs> built like a brick shit house, and she wore like skin tight like sweaters and stuff. And oh, yeah. Asante was a sleazy. He, was, he wasn't as sadistic as Ralph Meeker, though. Now, Ralph Meeker is the star of this, and I've seen him in a lot of shit. He's known for like noir and, and things like that. He was in that... Uh, 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 Winter Kills with Jeff Bridges and just several different things. Uh, he was in uh, Paths of Glory. He was one of the the soldiers that was going to be uh, executed. And um, 
So anyway, but he's so good in this. He's very young. Um, but uh, like I said, the, the dynamic in I, the jury, Velda is just Hammer's secretary. Now, he will have her go out and like uh, if the guy knows who – that they're following knows who he is, he'll have her go out and follow the guy and stuff like that. <laughs> but he didn't go out and like have her like go and suck the guy's dick or you know take him out and like right. fuck him and shit. So that was just so odd. But it, it, it really made it even more juicy. You know? You're like, ugh. Now, Mike Hammer and Mickey Spillane, the, one, the, the first way I ever got introduced to them, again, I said this I think. I don't know if it was last episode I mentioned something about the show Happy Days, but <laughs> I guess like I, the jury, the book was mm-hmm. – and and these books were supposed to be so salacious, you know, that – Salacious. Salacious. Uh, that, uh, that they were – I don't know if they were banned, but like this movie, they really – you know, the the uh, the – the uh, the code people really were like, okay, well, you can't do this, you can't do that. It was the same way with the books. They were supposed to be like uh, these books that the, all the kids wanted to read, but they weren't allowed to because their parents were like, you can't read that. You know, it's 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 for adults because they were dirty. You know, Splane yeah. was um, he wasn't a great writer, and but he wrote these books like for dudes, and they're all they're full of like hot chicks and sluts and guys that, you know, knock the shit out of each other and that are tough as nails. And uh, so then uh, (laughs) Hammer goes to, um, he's investigating this shit. He's like, what the fuck's going on? This chick. And she, she kind of gives him this crypto uh, little thing that she says. And he's like, what the fuck's that mean? So he's got to figure it out. And um, the one thing, oh my God. Now this, the, the, you have to realize the the times that this was made in and kind of uh, uh, for the most part, I didn't really have a problem. I liked the time capsule kind of thing. Mm-hmm. The cars, he the, 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 the first car, even though it was, a, it was, even though it's like, it looked like a little piece of shit, but it was pretty cool. Whatever it was. Classic. And, but I, I liked the one that they sent him, that they gave him that, that was a Corvette. That thing shit. was amazing. And, like just them driving around in like downtown, uh, was it uh, Los Angeles? Los Angeles. Yeah. yeah. Back then, you, I mean, just the way they shot it in the black and white and everything, it looked really cool. It was like a time capsule. You can mm-hmm. see all this stuff. And um, the one part where uh, Hammer goes to see, um, basically, it's kind of like a. It would be like if he went to Mickey Cohen or somebody like that that was a mafia guy in in. Uh, uh, in California or Las Vegas or whatever back then, this it, it kind of has like a if you if you watch a movie like uh, Mulholland Falls with Nick Nolte or um, the one with uh, L.A. Confidential stuff like that. Mm-hmm, That's that mm-hmm. with the, the feel, and I'm sure that they saw this movie and they and they kind of took that that kind of style and everything from this. Um, but you see that now you have an appearance of uh, Jack Elam. Who is near? near <laughs> He's so skinny, so young, and so skinny. I didn't realize it was him until I saw his goo goo eye, googly eye. Yes, <laughs> uh, I thought it was weird because now Hammer should—he's uh, a man of the world. He, nobody's going to put nothing over on him. So when he shows up at this place, immediately this girl just like walks up to him and she's making out with him. Over. She followed. Wasn't she in the car behind? Yeah, him? she was falling, which was great because she was fucking hot. And I would have got a bone. She, oh my God, she was very hot. Like when she was like, there, she go change into a swimsuit. It's in the very, I'll be like, well, wait a minute. You know, I got to, she said something about getting all wet. Giant boner. Well, 
um, Jack Elam is one of the henchmen, which was cool because my mom, one of the things I always remember about movies is my mom saying how Jack Elam, when she was a little girl watching movies, she, she, uh, or not maybe like a teenager or something like that. Um, he scared the shit out of her. She was like, oh, God, she goes, he was just so weird looking, but he's in this. And, um, I'll tell you what, these, these goons that, that they sick on hammer. Um, I guarantee you, uh, they didn't know what they were in for. Cause like no. on the street with the switchblade, he fucking lays his ass out like, bam. I mean, it was like, Jesus Christ. Then he's in, he goes in the, the, the little, uh, pool, they're at a, a real nice swimming pool with this guy's like a, a state. And um, the girl says, why don't you go in and change? There's some swimsuits in there and we can get in the pool. And he just met this girl. He's like, well, you know, I'd be like, okay. It's like one of those, if it's too good to be true, you know, things. So he goes in there and he's looking around and one of those thugs, well, two of them, Jack Elam and the other guy. That was like, I love the way that scene is put together. He, and you see a lot of it from <laughs> Jack Elam's expression. Cause the one yeah. guy goes in first to get a uh, hammer. And Elam's kind of behind him, and him. all you see is all you see is is f- f- henchman one's legs and feet. Yeah. You know Mike Hammer standing just off frame, and the guy's walking towards it. And then you see Elam standing there by the door. And then all of a sudden, the dude just falls down. <laughs> you hear the you hear the scuffle. The dude falls on the floor, and Elam like has this like just shit his pants yeah. look on his face and just backs up. Like Elam, door. Elam's look would be like if he walked in behind the guy, and as soon as he walked in, uh, Hammer turned into the fucking alien from Aliens. <laughs> he must have fucking just beat the fucking shit out of this guy so handily or whatever. That, that, that Elam's just like, fuck this shit, and he just, like, leaves. Now, what I was going to say about uh, kind of taking into account that this was made in 1955, um, it's like what I was saying about the the um, Sherlock Holmes with Nigel Bruce playing the bumbling, kind of a buffoon kind of guy. And if you watched it now, you're kind of like, oh, it's kind of corny. Um, in this, the, the mechanic guy... Oh, the Greek, the Greek guy. Yeah, he was kind of he was kind of annoying. He was annoying. It was a, a racial stereotype guy that's a mechanic friend of Mike. Hammer's. I thought he was supposed to be Hispanic, but in the, every description I see, he's Greek. I think he was Greek because he even said something about taking Hammer to go get Greek food mm. or something like that. You were probably eating tacos or something while you were, you know. <laughs> so anyway, uh, yeah, something. He was kind of annoying because. He kept saying like va va voom and and pow va va voom yeah Mike pow yeah Mike wow 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 and Mike's like Jesus Christ just fix the car. <laughs> shut up fix he my car punched him out too pow pow and anyway um they, I I do think I read somewhere that uh, Tarantino got the MacGuffin for Pulp Fiction from this. I could see it. The suitcase where they opened it up and yeah, and that this this suitcase thing, like it fucking was a left turn that I did yeah. not see coming. I didn't. Either. I was like, "What the fuck?" And the noise that was associated with that whole thing was really weird. And it was like, "What is what an ending?" <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought what they were going to do when I read because I I was reading up on, on this movie while I was kind of watching it, and I saw that thing about Tarantino and the the MacGuffin from Pulp Fiction, where. Uh, Travolta would open the briefcase and all you would see is the bright light shining on him. And I thought that they were going to just keep it at that in this movie so you wouldn't know what it was. Now, you, yeah, yeah, you do yeah. eventually 
kind of find out what it is. And like you said, I was just floored. I didn't <laughs> expect it to go the way it went. Yeah. And I, I, after reading, you know, what Aldrich was trying to do with the movie, I, I understand now. I don't. And I was really confused when I first saw this. Looked at this up on IMDb before I started watching it. It said something about sci-fi. I'm like, what? It, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like you said, the noise and stuff like that. It kind of reminded me of something that like Terry Frost would cover on Martian Drive-In podcast. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, no. So I'm, assuming, <coughs> I'm not assuming. I, I, I kind of read it that, that that shit's not even in the book. And oh. there were two endings to this movie. You can mm-hmm. watch the one ending on uh, – well, you can watch both of them, I think, on YouTube. But the one cuts it off more abruptly and um, – well, I, I don't want to go any more into it. If, yeah, yeah, if you yeah. want to watch it, it is on YouTube, the whole movie in full, the Criterion edition too. So it does have the the second ending, which I think is better um, – than but, the one we saw. I don't know. I don't, no, I, I'll have to ask the, which. The one I saw. Did you see the one that my copy, or did you watch the YouTube one? I watched the YouTube one. Okay, we'll have to. Fi- I'll have to. I'll have to compare with you and see which ending they put on. Yeah, YouTube. I'll, t- I'll, well, I'll t- tell you about it when when we an- another thing to talk about off the air. Okay. Um, so anyway, is there anything that you um not a ton? The the intro. Uh, you were right. Where it's such a jarring intro with uh, Leachman running down the road. Um, I love the way it's done though, because, uh, you, the, the credits roll backwards, yeah, which yeah. is really, really bizarre. And, um, you hear Nat King Cole on the radio, but at the same time, you, even louder, you just hear Leachman like sobbing and breathing heavy cause she's just been running. Um, it's a really cool intro. Um, and, and I was surprised that she wasn't in it for very long, <laughs> not in a lot long at all. Um, the, uh, but yeah, I, I I do I too really like how how sleazy Mike Hammer is. I mean, he just he revels in being such a uh, just a just a piece of shit, and that's how he makes his living. You know, like his, his living is to set guys up by <laughs> paying Velda to fuck him, so then that they, he can he can investigate the divorce matters yeah. and get money from it's such a such a shitty thing, especially because some of the guys probably weren't too damn attractive. <laughs> right, right. I mean, I'm just saying from Velda's standpoint. Right, and um, I like she's how him and Velda easy too because she's doing it. Nobody's making yeah. her do it. I like how him and Velda talk to each other while kissing at the same time. That was a pretty cool scene. And and in this in these movies, a lot of the times with private eye movies, the the trope is to have a private eye who's he's always they're always down on his luck, and to add to the kind of like him just being a dick, he he's like he. He's got a nice apartment yeah. in downtown Los Angeles. He fucking has an answering machine built into his fucking wall. How about that's that real to real. <laughs> but it's like he's got some like fancy looking shit for 1955, and this dude spends money. People give him a car, and like I like how <laughs> I like that he knows what's wrong with it beforehand. And then he just takes it and he's keeps pretty it. Pretty good at what he he must be good at what he does. He's got Velda as as, as the puss, and they, yeah. they they're like almost like uh, con men or whatever, like con people. Um, hey, I mean, it's totally what he is. Um, and they, you know, I, I really like their relationship and this, this whole movie is just full of really just kind of, you know, when I talk about the movie taking a left turn, the, the characters in general, just strange, <laughs> you know, I mean, like Mike Hammer being such an ass and then like the people he goes to see, there's a weird, 
like everybody's just kind of quirky. There's this weird sickly woman um, who plays a pretty big part in the movie. He sees a boxing trainer. There's that slutty blonde Friday that makes out with him by the pool and she's nipping through her dress and she's hot. And, uh, and the two henchmen, Jack Elam with his googly eye and the, the gangster they work for the fucking opera singer that lives in a shitty hotel that the mousy faced coroner, like there's all all these kinds of really just, did you not feel bad for the guy when hammer was talking about his record collection? And he goes, oh, this is a collector's item. And, and he just, the guy's like, yeah, he's so proud. And Hammer just doesn't give a fuck. I'm just like, you motherfucker. That was my quadrophenia album. Um, um, he's just sadistic, man. It's great. Yeah, he is. And he, and he, and he enjoys it. Um, the, the, this one dude in it, I don't remember who. I think he was the scientist. He... He drugs himself quickly into sleep. Yeah, at one point he did because Hammer would have beat the fucking shit out. Did you hear how terrible his fucking sleep sound effects were? Like he was he was doing like Three Stooges sound effects. It was so stupid sounding. He was like he he's going like (laughs) literally. One thing I was worried about is when they drugged Hammer and they had him uh, tied like spread eagle with his hands and his legs tied to the each bedpost and i thought jesus christ are they gonna fucking rape my camera well and somebody posted on our group in the questions thing about what i didn't hear what he was mumbling said something about what he i couldn't tell if he was what he was I didn't mumbling either i'll have to go back yeah. and watch it again because I, I read that too and it's like, what? um this one this one caught me by surprise uh it's it's very late for noir. A lot of noir is like 30s, 40s. This is mid-50s. Um, and Aldrich certainly took this in a direction I wasn't expecting, which I it's, – it's pretty cool. Um, now what else have we done by Aldrich? Uh, we did something. Well, he did the uh, uh, Emperor of New of, uh, Emperor of the North, right? Yeah. All the Marbles we did. Choir Boys we did. Um, all's on all's on his raid is good. good Thirty dozen, yeah, yeah. Um, and this is uh, this is pretty early on in his career, so uh, he, yeah, he he did it right with this one. Um, if 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 you like noir noir films, um, this is certainly certainly one to check out, and especially because it kind of turns that whole genre on its ear and goes really in a direction I wasn't expecting, so. Uh, we can we can rate it here. Oh, oh man, I want to give this an. Oh man, I'm torn. I, I I'm torn. Uh, you like Mike Hammer, but no, no. What's the, what's I'm just gonna say, I'm trying to think of anything bad about it. Um, I give this a nine. Nice. I really liked it. I want to watch it again. Yeah, I would definitely want to revisit it. I give it an eight. My my issue being, it wasn't it kind of lost. Enough? It wasn't sleazy enough. This is the this is certainly the sleaziest film noir I've seen. Um, oh, you got to watch it, fucking Eye of the Jury with Armada Sante. <laughs> I'll check one that of one the out. Sleaziest movies I've ever seen. Um. It, it it I got a little confused about who the hell was supposed to be doing what about three quarters of the way through before the box makes an appearance. Mm-hmm. I was oh, yeah. I was like, 
when he starts questioning people, I'm like, wait a minute, how the fuck did he know to go there again? Um, it, he really starts jumping back and forth a lot, trying to find. And when he figures out the the whole like remember me thing, um, it it took me a while to catch on. And it might be my fault, but you know, because of that, it did it 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 kind of. I had to I had to keep. I don't know. It was hard for me to keep up a couple times. Yeah. So other than that, um, really good, really really good. Really good. Cool. Uh, <clears throat> let's take a break and come back and talk about another anti-hero, uh, quite a different one, um, Kowalski in Vanishing Point. We'll be right back. When you're watching movies, are you sick of remakes, reboots, reimaginings, reinventions, and Reese Witherspoon? Are you fed up with movies where giant robots try to remake Enter the Dragon? Do you think that torture porn is vastly inferior to 1970s drive-in porn? Do you find Botox actresses with fake tits and action heroes with no chest hair a turn-off? Do movies where no single shot lasts more than two and a half seconds piss you off? Yeah, me too. That's why I do Paleo Cinema Podcast, a podcast for films more than 20 years old. So if you think the Cicerese is a guy and that Myrna Loy is a kind of metal, you need Paleo Cinema Podcast. Go to paleo-cinema.com and do yourself a favour. Kirk Douglas, Kirk Douglas talking. Michael, Michael, I mean Michael Douglas. Sorry, that's what I meant. All right, uh, Vanishing Point. That was that was Bill's choice. Maybe I should let that play a little bit. That, would, it, would it have been the same movie if Kowalski was riding down the road in his Dodge listening to Frontline Assembly? <laughs> All right. Uh, synopsis for Vanishing Point. Zom. Synopsis for Vanishing Point, written by Matthew. Kowalski works for a car delivery service. He takes a delivery of a 1970 Dodge Challenger to take from Colorado to San Francisco. Shortly after pickup, he takes a bed to get the car there in less than 15 hours. I'm not going to go for that. That's a long synopsis. That's a long... Thank you, Matthew, for being a wordy asshole. Yeah. Um, so, this is directed by Richard C. Seraphian. Now, Richard C. Seraphian, I listened to, I'd seen this movie a few times, so I decided to listen to, and we watched the UK cut of this, which I had never seen before. The UK cut has a little extra scene. Um, but 
I listened to the commentary and it was kind of interesting hearing him, hearing him speak. Um, this is obviously done. It was, it was done like right before he died. I think he died in 2013. Um, Seraphian looking through his filmography, lots of TV. I don't know that I've seen anything else that he's ever done. I mean, I may have seen some of the TV. I didn't really look at that, but, um, fragment of fear, Lolly Madonna, Triple X, The Next Man. He did a TV movie, TV version of The African Queen, which I'm sure is terrible. Who's in that? <laughs> Warren, uh, Warren Oates is in that. <laughs> nice. Maybe it's not so terrible. Um, Gangster Wars. So, but it was interesting hearing him talk with what he tried, what was trying to do with this movie and stuff. So, if you have the UK uh, DVD of Vanishing Point, maybe on the Blu-ray too, uh, check out the. Um, the, the the commentary so he's he he has some good insight into kind of what they went through with filming and everything so the movie opens and um it kind of sets up the the ending before it ever starts and you see a certain series of events um the, this long stretch of road and i guess it's i guess it's it's near sunrise there's two bulldozers driving alongside each other, and Seraphian was saying in the commentary that he knew he knew he talked about what kind of bulldozers they actually were because he used to uh, one of his jobs was filming um, commercial footage for Caterpillar. <laughs> <laughs> but um, these uh, these bulldozers block the road. Um, they they basically there's a small it's a country town it's a no 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 nothing town. Dusty nothing in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> dusty roads. Dusty roads in the middle of nowhere. It was Dusty Rose's birthday last week, baby, October twelfth. He was born in nineteen twelve, baby. He's a big um, fan of the Cleveland Browns and a big blotch. He's a big fan of Cleveland Browns, and I'd rather talk about the Browns than talk to Pickle Loaf, baby. <laughs> and Pickle Loaf standing off to the side trying to get an autograph, <clears throat> Daddy. Um, <clears throat> so, my I typoed on the um, note and I said null null dozers block the road or null dozers. So, um, the Challenger, the the now legendary car drives in, and um, you get kind of a back and forth, and the the the, the bulldozers have stopped in the middle of this two lane road, one on each side, and they've essentially put their blades down on the road to make a, a wall and it's it's a block it's a roadblock and uh the challenger comes in the legendary challenger and this thing is it's it's pretty awesome the um the the you know in the in the commentary he said that they went through eight of them during filming because uh, they kept they kept fucking them up. They had nine total, and they let, they ruined eight of them. Um, but uh, and it wasn't their it wasn't really their first choice. Like it was like a favor to Chrysler to put the the Dodge cars in these movies, and they basically since they were given these, that was so it's it's kind of interesting. I wonder what the car would have been if they had choice. So. Pinto. <laughs> might be a, might be a different this. movie. The Ford Pinto, and imagine imagine that the the first car chase, <laughs> yeah. the, the movie's over. It, it fucking exploded. catches on. It catches on fire, and the movie's over. Um, <laughs> never even makes it to the bulldozers, the the nulldozers. Um, and Seraphine gives a lot of credit 
to his cinematographer, John Alonzo. Um, John Alonzo's had qu- had quite a career. Chinatown, Bad News Bears, Scarface, and one interesting one I found called Zorro the Gay Blade. I saw st- that. <laughs> star- starring George Hamilton. Yeah. George Hamilton plays Don Diego Vega, Zorro, Bunny Wigglesworth, the Gay Blade, and Ramona Vega in the movie. So who knows what the hell is going on in that thing? I saw that anyway. at the drive-in, I think. That's a um, big hit. <laughs> you, you've seen that? Yes. That sounds like a piece of shit. Well, I, I've only seen it, I think, once, but it's <laughs> um, odd. Now, now Don, Alonzo is worth mentioning because this movie – if if you have the iconic car, another thing that kind of makes this movie something special is the land the, the, the cinematography in it. It is it is a gorgeous movie to look at. Beautiful landscapes and some some outstanding shots over cars. Um that I love how it's like this the, it, he goes from Colorado, as you said, Colorado to San Francisco, but most of it takes place in the deserts in between, um, Utah, I guess, and um, Nevada. I don't know. I don't know which states it was, um, but uh, most of it takes place in the desert. And and that that car just works so well with this because the landscapes aren't the most colorful. They're beautiful, but they're you know they're kind of they're dusty. They're 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 earth toned. And this 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 car, unlike the police cars that are kind of boxy and black, this car just like glows almost. Mm-hmm. It looks it looks great. There's a great winding road shot. Um, these, I mean, some of these roads look fucking. I'd get so carsick on them. <laughs> but these winding roads and this—they're not exactly mountains. I don't know what they are. They—they're—they're they're like big, giant, rocky hills, which I know is probably the dumbass version, the dumbass definition of mountain. But it's not exactly a mountain. But the, the way these roads are kind of just almost etched into the side of these things. And it's a great shot when the car speeds by. He's getting chased. And most of this movie is him getting chased. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love the choice there of of showing these cars in the foreground flash by. Then they briefly disappear from the site as they go around this movie. They're on this 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 turn into uh, between two of those, you know, desert mountains, whatever they are. And then, like, it comes around a curve, and the choice is made. Uh, you could tell it's on one of those those bit giant cranes. The camera is, but it just kind of pans around, and you see the car off in the way off in the distance, and you get a real idea of how giant this landscape oh, is yeah. that he's driving across. And the car just goes off into the distance, and it's like we we sit here, we watch this for like thirty seconds, and you don't hardly even hear them anymore. The clouds are like shining in the you know floating in the sky. The sunbeams coming down. It was. It was pretty. It was. It was a nice moment there. Um, and the in the movie, I mean, there's essentially no dialogue for the first ten minutes, and, and the construction of this movie is not. You know, you have we've done uh, Dirty Mary, Crazy Larry, another kind of car chase movie, and a lot of that one is the chase, and it's a very, it's a very, um, what's the word? A chronological movie, and this one is. It does have a certain chronology, but. It's supported, and we learn about these characters not by Kowalski having a conversation with anybody, but by certain things along his journey triggering these memories of his life. And it's a cool way they do it because, you know, he, he, uh, 
the, the cops are chasing him on motorcycles and that makes them remember being a motorcycle driver. And there's this asshole with a helmet and his fucking sports car. <laughs> and that, you know, that reminds him of being the stock car driver. And, and we learn that he's a cop from after he kind of sees the sun shining through this blonde chick's hair and why, you know, why he's not a cop anymore and that sort of thing. But just different things along his journey remind him of the moments. But what's, what was good was, Kowalski being the, the the main character, he's not, and he's played by he's played by Barry Newman. Barry Newman is a good choice here because Kowalski is not the he's the main character of the movie, but he's not technically the star of the movie. Yeah. The story is about him, but it's really this journey and the fucking car that are the real star of this movie. And he's a good choice for it. I mean, he's a good looking guy. I'm sure he's a fine actor, but he doesn't have to do a lot here. And he can almost be any, any guy. And maybe that's Gene Hackman. He's going, Oh, he's going to, yeah, yeah. He said, he talked about that. Um, Seraphian talked about, uh, that Hackman went on to do French connection soon after this, but, um, Hackman was in the running there. He was being pushed by his agents, I think. But, but, but Newman was a good choice because he doesn't. And I, and I guess Hackman now. I think the movie might have a slightly different effect if Hackman was in it. I think then it might have been okay because he wasn't like a big star yet. But what I, what I like, what, what worked for me here was that Barry Newman doesn't stand out a lot in this movie. Um, he just looks like he could be anyone, and it, and and you can really relate to just him just being a dude, you know, um, Kowalski has his, has his history and he has his hangups, obviously, he but likes to take some speed. he does like to take some speed. Um, well, he's trying to stay awake. He's yeah. trying to fucking, he has a bet that he's going to get all the way from Denver to, is it Denver? He starts in somewhere in Colorado. Yeah. To San Francisco in what? Uh, less than a day, essentially. <laughs> yeah, but he does. The thing is, he doesn't even have to be there till. He doesn't have to be there until Monday. He leaves on Friday. He doesn't he have says, to be there until Monday. I've got something to do. I have to be there. You know, but so he's he's doing it just. Well, there's speculation on the reasons. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but um, there's some there's just some there's some wild fucking driving in this movie. So. The uh, you, you know he picks up the car, and he starts driving, and and I mean it's even it's kind of hard to even go through plot points in this because it's really, I mean it happens so quickly, and it's really just him getting chased, and uh, and then comes in the the WKOW the <laughs> the the radio guy. Um, so, uh, so, WKOW. Oh, what's what's his name in the movie? Because they, they, Super Soul, uh, Super Soul, because it was going to be something else too. Seraphian talked about um, that it was going to be not be Super Soul and Cleavon Lidl, Cleavon Lidl, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it, I thought it was kind of it's it's it was cool that um, that Cleavon Little uh, was I, I, that the character was blind because yeah. it it kind of it it made that character more maybe he was more empathetic in a way. But he becomes this almost spiritual guide, almost this like voice of voice of a higher power guiding guiding Kowalski along. 
But it's cool that he's blind because he can't obviously see Kowalski. He's he's listening to a a, ra- a police scanner and kind of just say it, and he becomes this kind of like this 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 voice, like you know, not only just like hey, watch out here, watch out here, like a Smokey and the Bandit type thing, but a a reaching a different kind of level. Um, really cool, but some wild fucking driving in here. These the motorcycle drivers. I was scared for their lives a few times <laughs> because this. I mean, the the fucking the the Challenger leaping across the highway in front of another car was one of that. That was a pretty fucking wild stunt there. But something as simple as this car going and and it's one of those movies, you know, like um, I don't know where you can really tell the car is going that speed. It's not just sped up film. Well, they did do that though. Did they really? They said, uh, was it undercrank? They undercranked it. Uh, the cars weren't going. I, I don't know if it, in, in in all cases, but they did say the stuff that I read that they they undercranked it to make it look like the car was going faster. Oh wow! Maybe it was just okay. when Barry Newman was in the car and driving. Oh uh, sure. okay, okay. But you know, but I remember and reading that. Seraphine was in in one of the scenes where apparently in one of the scenes where. Um, Kowalski's driving straight for the cop cars and they have to turn off the road and he turns off the road too. Uh, I think Seraphine was in one of those cars. Mm, God. Pooping yeah. his pants. <laughs> yeah, literally. Um, the, uh, but when he drives off the road onto like gravel or whatever the hell it is, that's fucking hard enough to do when you're just going normal speed. And yeah. this dude is like pulling into a median into the other lane and then back across. He was booking. Without- and maybe that was one of the times they fucking totaled the car. That but, one time, um, the guy, the, the, I think the cop car, he had went on the other side of like the freeway. Yeah. And the cop car was coming, and he came back across the medium and fucking almost like launched right in front of that fucking car. And then the one where he – they they, they re, kind of redid it in Death Proof because um, they used the, the, the same car. No yeah. homage. They used the same car. And – uh when he bust through, it was like some kind of wood barrier or something, and the thing like almost like leaped. It was a dirt road. It was, I think, it was in that rock quarry or something. It's like Jesus fucking Christ! I yeah. can see how they tore up some fucking cars on this thing. Yeah, it's the whole Dukes of Hazard thing. Yeah, where, you know they fucking went through General Lee's like crazy. They didn't shoot this very long, did they? It was only like a. It was originally slated to be like sixty days, but they, because of budget and shit, they he still went over budget. But because of budget and shit, they had to finish in like. I don't know between twenty and thirty days, yeah. um, and um, they they were blessed with some pretty incredible scenery as far as weather and stuff goes. Um, but um, the there's a there's a it, it gets a little the spiritual moment in the movie I guess when he he's in the desert and. Um, I think he's just he's like he's tired of getting chased and it seems like for a few times that he's going to kind of just let it be but he's got this thing in his head he's got to get home. And again, we don't know exactly why. Uh we don't know what the what the draw is, especially later on when we learn about who he might be going to, right? So um there's a really there's a cool moment when he's driving out there and um I don't know how – this had to have been a one-take thing, but he crosses his own tracks in the desert. It's like giant like 
this he ends up making this pretty much giant like infinity sign where he crosses his own tracks. I, I couldn't imagine having to get that one right because I don't, whose job would it be to fucking go over like four miles of yeah. track and like and clear up his tire tracks? But was that his tracks or was that that old man in the pickup truck? I think it was his own. Okay, might have I been. Was, I'm, not, I'm not sure because where, where he had just driven out there because he didn't meet the it, the old man wasn't until after he was coming back out. Um, I think no, maybe not. Yeah. Um. The um. And I, I don't know if that was the intention of this movie, but being the whole uh, kind of almost being allegorical from the transition to from the 60s to the 70s with the full the whole like what was the Rolling Stones documentary where they kind of talk about this because uh, the Rolling Stones didn't go to Woodstock so they had their own concert Altamont, where the uh, Hell's Angels killed that guy right and how that ended up being like this whole uh, this whole kind of allegory for the 60s to the 70s of yeah the hippies and everything and, and, and free love of the sixties going into the seventies where everything's kind of, you know, dangerous and mean. Right. And, and you see, you kind of see that here too. Um, the, the hippies in this movie, all the peace people, they're fucking snake handlers. <laughs> um, the, the hitchhikers, there's these hitchhikers, gay hitchhikers that are, <laughs> that are thieves. A little bit well, stereotypical re- there, maybe. <laughs> but they did, it was a, it was a precursor for what's going on now because they had just married on the back of their car. Nice. Yeah. Go North Carolina. <laughs> um, but the, uh, you know, it's, you know, in, in, in the sixties movie, you stick your thumb out, you get, you hitch a ride, you go to San Francisco. All right, these guys are going to San Francisco, but they're like they full of fucking gun on them after he gets all uptight, saying, "I know you're laughing inside." Right there, because he fucking disarmed these guys and beat their ass <laughs> in two seconds. Um, uh, and and then there's the there's the the scene with uh, the guy and his gal that stay out in that broken up trailer out in the desert. Um, the naked chick on the motorcycle. Um, she was a friend of a friend or something. Seraphine was saying they had to po- keep pouring ice water on the seat. I was going to say, if they're out in the desert, man, that fucking leather seat would have to be hot she, as shit. She still got burned, but he said they had to pour leather, or they had to pour, they had to pour ice water on it. So she was, <laughs> but she was a good sport about it. And she didn't know how to ride a motorcycle if it wasn't obvious. She taught herself right there. Um, so we, we get to the, 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 the climax of this movie, the, well, the climax is what we see at the beginning, and we kind of see a different take on it at the end. Now, I think it's it's a little well. I guess I didn't talk about the extra scene, the UK cut with yeah. Charlotte Charlotte Rampling. Yeah. Um, this scene was left out of the American edit of the movie because they were afraid people would not understand who or what she was supposed to represent. Right. Um. I think when you've watched enough movies, you'll you'll get what they're going for of who she's what she's supposed to be. She, I mean, she's a real person. I've been but, waiting for you forever, ever. Right, time. right. Yeah. And I think they were they were concerned when they cut this movie for American audiences that people wouldn't understand and just, which is kind of stupid. Well, but, I don't know. Americans are kind of dumb. Well, they are. What the hell's that, both mine? <laughs> get back to driving the car. But this movie well, too is not. It's not a fucking just actioner. <laughs> So <coughs> Americans are dumb, but they're going to be entertained enough. And I don't think that would have been a uh, gross, a breaking scene 
Ugh, that was a foamy fucking burp. Um, I don't, th- I don't think that would have been a, a breaking scene for the movie had they left nah. that in. It doesn't add a much. It's like five minutes, but it's a cool thing, and it, it. Oh, he's trampling. What's that? She was hot, man. She's always hot. Even when she got old, she was hot. <laughs> and um, maybe if maybe if like if Super Soul is like maybe like a, a guardian angel of sorts, she you know she's almost the opposite of that. But not in a not in a not in a, a negative necessarily necessarily way. She's 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 not a she's not somebody out to get him. It's well. she's just a. <laughs> So to speak, so to speak, you know what I mean. She's not. There's no. It's it's not a negative intent. It's like it's gonna happen. She's it's like, inevitable. I gotta go do this, and Thanos of Titan just keeps fucking with me all the time. So <laughs> leave me alone, fucker. You Man, you Jesus stupid Christ. gauntlet. Um, I gotta go the, get Kowalski. But the, the 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 ultimate finale of the movie. It's it's one that. I think is is debated on whether or not he or what it maybe means. Mm-hmm. If it's hard to talk about without spoiling it, um, if he thought there was more, I'm trying to think of how to word this where it's not going to give anything away. If he thought that there was more, or if there was intent behind what ultimately happens. And the way it's explained here is like the the intent is that this is just a step in a big journey, and that um, it's like this podcast. It's a step in a big journey. It is to the to a shit bowl. Um, <laughs> Bring on through to the other side. Go ahead and let's let's. Uh, I want you to fill in some stuff here because I'm I'm going to stumble too much and give away something I don't. I'm want I'm going to talk about the important stuff. Okay. Okay. Number one. I like Barry Newman's uh, bushy hair. Barry it's Newman's bushy hair is great. Sign of the times. Um, He's wearing a vest also. <laughs> now, this is uh, 1971. See, this is uh, kind of like a time that I remember when I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. And uh, the cars, uh, Barry Newman's bushy hair. Now, he had a hippie girlfriend, but he was kind of – she was a surfer, and she liked to smoke some dube and stuff like that. And he was kind of – Kowalski was kind of like on the edge of the straits and the and the, the, the hippie people because he was a cop and everything, but he, he was like – he was a little bit older, and he has this young chick, and she likes to surf. She likes to smoke weed and stuff like that. He – isn't so straight that he's a, a jerk scumbag establishment guy like he is he he did seem a little square though he was a little square because like <laughs> but, but he was like i said he was like in the middle because like his partner as a cop was definitely a establishment he, asshole who took advantage of like yeah the women and stuff that they picked up um and like kowalski wouldn't smoke a dube with his girlfriend 
but then later on with Charlotte Rampling, he she offers him a, and but but then again he's he's also fucking taking methamphetamine to fucking stay awake and he's <laughs> wired like fuck he's probably grinding his teeth off that's why he could drive like that and he kind of had that like his eyes were even like kind of like you know he was wired he looked exhausted yeah, yeah. they did a good job with that too because I mean he gets he gets the just from a day fucking I can't do that but he gets the five o'clock shadow pretty well quick, and, and, and he he had just driven another car from somewhere so who knows how long he had been driving then yeah pulls yeah. into that garage and he goes give me another one i want to go out and the guy's like no you need to rest you know so he was probably a fucking uh kind of a speed freak kind of a guy that was just, he can't he can't stop yeah, can't and there's stop. there's there and again we we don't know his exact motivation other than the whole metaphorical in the right. whole other than the metaphorical sense we don't know why he is as he is and why he just has to keep going Something in his past is chasing him, obviously, and we get a little hint of what it might be, but never, real, never, never any background, which is, which is a good, which is, uh, we don't need that explanation. Um, he maybe this movie now, if it was made now, would be two hours and twenty minutes long and have his origin story. Well, they built fucking into it. remade it. Uh oh. With Vegan Uh oh. And and Jason Priestley was super <laughs> solid. I don't think they called him what. Soul. But he was the he was the DJ. The DJ, and I have never <laughs> seen that. I heard it was bad because they take oh, a lot God. of the artistic stuff out of it, and just make it a straight up like like uh, in this movie. Uh, Barry Newman's character is just Kowalski. He even somebody says, "What's your name?" and he says Kowalski, and they said, "You know, what's your first name?" He goes, "That's first, middle, and last name." Just, <laughs> even when, which is funny, because even he was a, he was a cop, so you know they have paperwork on him and stuff, yeah. and and he, he probably had a uh, at least speeding tickets and kind of uh, something like that, but. And even in the, like the newspaper articles about him uh, racing motorcycles or whatever, but it just when the cops look up all his information and they get like the teletype, it just says Kowalski and it says no, there's no other name but Kowalski. And he was like a Medal of Honor winner and everything. <laughs> so it's like you know if he's in the army, oh yeah he was Vietnam he went to Vietnam or something. But then too. again maybe he was a, like an orphan or something and he didn't never got a, a, a you know a full name. Maybe that was just maybe he got his name legally changed like Madonna or Warrior. There you go. <laughs> yes. So anyway, um, he also um, – I'm trying to think that – I like that the uh, the one guy that he goes to see out in the desert that has the chick on the motorcycle ride around naked, he was a hell of a motorcycle rider himself because the one time he goes ahead to see if there's any cops and he comes tearing back on this big chopper. And when he gets – when he pulls into this trailer, he fucking like lays it down and just leaps <laughs> off of it. It's like, Jesus Christ, man. I love, the, I love the, the gag or whatever they play to get through the roadblock. The bike. That was cool, and him riding off on the mini bike was a great the guy's image. Guy's like probably six foot six. He's got these real long legs, and he gets on this mini bike that you have to start up like a lawnmower. You know, there's a couple of little like like tongue and cheek kind of gags in there, like that, like the 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 one the the truck painting the lines on the road that yeah. makes the curved line off. Yeah, little things like that that are kind of silly. Now I did like um, I, Paul Coslow is in this, and uh, he's been in a lot of stuff. He was in Joe Kid. Uh, he was in. Uh, the uh, Charles Bronson, uh, Mr. Majestic, and a bunch of stuff. He he was the asshole, uh, the one asshole cop that beats up Super Soul. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's he he's in the movie quite a bit. Uh, 
he starts out as one of the cops that's chasing him and, he, and they, they wreck. And then he gets out and his partner's like fucking got whiplash and everything else. He's like, come on. And then they go get in another cop car. They keep chasing him, keep chasing him. Well, then they show him later and he's like in plain clothes because Kowalski goes through like three different states. Yeah. And back then, and I think it's probably now too, but once you go across the state line that the cops are chasing <laughs> you, they can't fucking cross over. So he gets out of uniform with his, his other cops and he goes to where like Super Soul is and they go in and like they beat the fucking shit out of Super Soul. They're real racist too. He's like, hey, you, you know, whatever, uh, throwing rocks through the window. And John Amos, who no. was, he was in there, he was Super Soul's uh, like uh, – assistant or board something guy that read yeah. the board and he fucking like uh goes after him and they they you know even though he's big and everything they get him down and beat his ass and they they do get super soul to kind of um uh try and manipulate kowalski but he can tell that something's up and um i like that uh i like the part about with uh charlotte rampling now i saw this in the at the drive-in because this was a drive-in classic for Mm -hmm. a lot of time so when i was a kid you know i think we went and saw this and dirty mary crazy larry when i was a little kid my dad and mom and everything we went and saw it and um was uh, that scene in there no it was not okay because i'd never seen it and then when i when i bought the dvd you know probably uh, i was was like 10 years ago or something like that now but it had the scene with charlotte rampling and i liked it but i will say this after watching it all the the times that i watched it um i i really you know when i first saw the charlotte rampling thing i didn't think that it was like something that was like a big thing i was like you know i i can see why they left this out but yeah. now I watch it, and I I think it um, it adds to because when you see it without that, you just take everything for what it is. Yeah, yeah. The ending is just like black and white. Okay, he did this, but when you see that, it adds something to the meaning of the ending. Uh, lets you kind of like think about what's going on and everything. Um, it's, so, what yeah, do you think they were going for by changing the beginning and the end? Do you know what I mean? Like at the beginning, you see this drawn out thing and the car kind of fades and obviously it's different than the end. Do they skip over it to the end at the end? Well, do we just, or, or do we just not see it or did it happen differently than how we saw it at the beginning? I heard that there was speculation when people try and come up with the meaning of the movie that everything we're seeing, it's, Oh, like, uh, like, uh, yeah, okay. When, okay. He, when he says, when he tells the guy at the beginning, I've got to be here, okay, he doesn't have to have the car there until Monday, but he tells the guy, I've got somewhere I have to be, that okay. that event, it's like the, like, <laughs> I know you haven't seen the uh, Woody Harrelson, Matthew McConaughey, uh, True Detective. But it's like the they, they talk about the flat circle. Life is a flat circle. That okay, happens the same thing happens over and over and over. And but he breaks that circle here. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. You know. So. So. You know. Okay. You know, okay. But, but yeah, like I said, this is one of those ones that it's it, it if we said okay, well, I know everybody's seen this, and we could go into depth of of you know what what people think it's about and what mm-hmm, people mm-hmm. 
have speculated and what uh, you know the director or whatever. You're going to spoil something. If you're you're going to spoil something. So it's kind of, but but you know, I I still. This is an old favorite of mine, and from back when I was a kid, I liked it. Number one, because uh, it was a car movie. Yeah. Uh, but it holds up a, a lot because it's way more than just a car movie. Uh, and Kowalski's a Pollock, <laughs> I assume. <laughs> and I'm like a, a quarter, you know. Growing up, you know, my dad was always like, you're, you're, you're Polish or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, but mom and dad's side, or mom's side counts too. And neither I'm, a qu- one. I'm, I'm a quarter. Yeah. So anyway, but so I, you know, had something to relate to. And, and Barry Newman, also growing up, he was, after they made this, he was on a, a, a TV show. Uh, that was pretty popular called Petrocelli, which he played a lawyer out. And he was like a New York or a Boston, I think, lawyer. And he was uh, in like Arizona. He moved all the way out there and became a became a mm-hmm. lawyer and everything. So, uh, and I will say this, and this has nothing nothing to do with these movies, but this goes out to Coop. Uh, the Flyers are playing the Blackhawks right now, and I didn't know until just right now that you can get on um, uh, and sh- fucking stream – because I figured the streaming would be like really horrible for mm-hmm. these games. They're fucking clear as shit. So yeah. anyway, let's get back to the – Oh, and the, gi- the Giants are beating the Royals 3 nothing after one inning. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I really – like I said, the, the Royals, as far as that game goes, I, I – I don't like the Giants just because I hated Barry Bonds, but he doesn't play for them anymore, so I really don't care. But anyway, um, this movie still holds up. Um, yeah, I, I I like the music. I I wish that knowing that Viggo Mortensen made a remake of this, and I think it may have been a TV movie though. I think. Oh um, God, even worse. <laughs> yeah, but just just thinking about it, if they would have remade this. With more modern music, like when we were playing the music, it's the intro for this. And you said, I wonder what kind of movie this would be if it had uh, this music. If they would have you made it what? modern day with a. There was something else because he had. That was something else he talked about in the commentary because he had. And I can't remember the artist he talked about. He had basically a whole album yeah. of music ready. But they said it and was too much. The guy was like, "Yeah, if we put this in, we're gonna have to fucking pay half to the people that make the music." I, I've so that, that's that, why they had to put that generic music in there. I've heard that group before. I can't oh, the fucking the mountains! I love that one song that appears in there, the Mississippi Queen. That's a yeah. cool song. Um, now, um, um, Kim Carnes, who did you know, got that huge hit Betty Davis Eyes. She does, I think, the song at the ending credits and they did get the group uh, that they wanted to do one song and they are actually at the um at the um delaney delaney and bonnie and friends were the group that they wanted to do the whole soundtrack they said it would cost too, they thought it would cost too much order so they are actually uh with rita coolidge who was married to chris christopherson are the singers at the uh, revival where the snake handler was nice. So, but anyway, um, I don't have too much. Uh, uh, this one just has a lot of nostalgia for me. Cause I saw it when I was so young and yeah. it was always kind of like a favorite. I loved that car, you know, car movies were such a big thing, part of, of growing up, you know, especially when you couldn't drive, you're like, ah, what a cool car. <laughs> so anyway, but uh, that's about all I have. Um, 
this this is a piece of Americana. It's a it's a there's not much in the world where you could get there's not many places in the world where you could stick a muscle car with this kind of setting. Like there's not many places on earth that look like the American West. And it's such a unique movie with a metaphysical little tilt to it, kind of, maybe. I don't know. It's it's a very unique movie in the world of car movies which really makes it fucking cool um it's just it's it's well done all around i give this the for me if if i have to say anything the desert getting out in the desert twice kind of makes it drag a little bit yeah other than that it rolls on daddy uh i get this an 8.75 i agree i i i'm surprised that barry newman didn't uh I, I, he had a big return in the movie The Limey with uh, mm-hmm. Terrence Stamp and uh, Peter Fonda. He played like the Peter Fonda's kind of thuggish mafia-like lawyer, I guess, or whatever in that. Because, uh, you know, I hadn't seen him in hardly anything. Yeah, like I said, I think he kind of got show. caught up in the TV stuff um, and and then never really got back into it. But this is such an iconic movie that I'm surprised that like somebody like Tarantino or somebody like that didn't uh, – you know, bring him back in something. I, I, he probably will one of these days. I mean, but he's got to be he's still around. Yeah. Now. He's born in. What do you get? What was your rating for it? Uh, same as you. Eight point okay, seven five. Okay. Makes me want to watch Tulane Blacktop again. Yes, um, yes, it's a, yeah, it's the same same kind of movie. It has like a little bit. It's a car movie, but for people that are actually, you know. I shouldn't say because it, it sounds pretentious. People that are actually intelligent, or there's more to it. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Two Lane Blacktop's the same way. It's not just. And I like Dirty Mary, Crazy Larry. I like Dingleberry. I like uh, fucking uh, <laughs> Peter Fonda being a fucking asshole all the time. But that one was just more straightforward. Straightforward. Yep. Kind of a, um, more of a Roger Corman style, where this is, uh, you know, it's it's just got some more to it. He was born in '38, so he's knocking on sixty. He's about he's I mean seventy. He's, he's yeah. mid sixties. He's got awesome. A, he's got mid seventies. Yeah, no, thirty-eight. Uh, yeah, yeah seven. Like oh 70. shit! Yeah, seventy. Fuck. Yeah, seventy-six. Yeah. Never mind. He they might have not an be... interview with him and the director on YouTube where they cool. do a and A, and I didn't get a chance to. I obviously I probably did have a chance to watch it. I just didn't watch it, but I uh, need to watch it. Yeah. Awesome. Let's take a break and do a little feed sack. Be right back. Hi, this is famous Hollywood producer, Robert Evans. You know, I've made a lot of powerful enemies during my time in Hollywood. Like the time I pushed Steve McQueen in front of a moving car on the set of The Getaway because he was macking on my lady, Kylie McGraw. But I've made one great friend. A boffo friend, if you will, since I retired. It's called Show Show, and it's the best fucking movie podcast ever. It's even better than cocaine, which I would know a lot about. Visit Show Show at showshow.podomatic.com or search Show Show, all one word, in the iTunes store.
Speed sack. Gronky done snuck in and got two songs in a row. Um, all right. We got a little bit here. Well, we got one uh, audio sack from Armin. He apologized for the long musical intro. So, let me uh, stop this one and... Move to here, and then we'll cover some questions. We questions. Will answer all. I know you said something about me being an alchemist this week. So. Yeah. All right. Here we go. <laughs> Can you hear it okay? from Germany. I hope you guys are really well. This t- this week I don't have much to tell, but uh, just wanted to call you because I love you guys. And well, we one love big you thing I watched, which is Kien Sabe, or A Bullet for the General, with the wonderful Maria ah. Volonté, and directed by Damiano Damiani. This is really an amazing, overlooked uh, spaghetti western, which in my view is a really in the top list of uh, westerns of this time, really close to Django and uh, the Leone trilogy. And I was really amazed by not only the, the acting, especially by volunteer, but also by the political subtext, which is not really a subtext, but really in your face, but greatly done. And also an amazing music by Louis Bacalov, who made uh, a lot of soundtracks up to the present of things like Django and uh, Il Postino and uh, lots of other things. Really beautiful music that... Uh, really nearly brings a tear to my eyes but uh, this time i thought uh, i could bring you my questions for the week uh, via uh, mp3 and i've basically three questions for you the first would be if you could choose any movie uh, old or new uh, color or black and white whatever and could uh, watch it in the cinema on the big screen what movie would you choose all right i'll pause it 
Any movie, black or white, if you want to watch it in the cinema, what's it going to be? Oh my gosh. I would have to say, right now, I would want to watch Kiss Me Deadly. <laughs> but um, something, oh my gosh. Uh, If it was in, if it was on the big screen, um, I would probably want something that was epic. So I would say, good, the bad, and the ugly. That would be a good one. You know what? I would. I've I've never seen it except for the redone version. I want to see a fucking like thirty-five print of Star Wars. Oh, yeah. that uh, would be really you good. Didn't see that in the theater, the original. I did. Well, no, I was when the first one came out. I was only one. I saw Empire. <laughs> Uh, um, you were one. I, I was one. Yeah. Um, that would be, and I, and I saw it when they redid it. They like he put all the special shit in and remastered it. But I'd like to see just kind of a, you know, old gritty print of the original. That would be a fun one. Or uh, my always go to Casablanca, which I'm sure plays at theaters still all the time. But that would be a good one to see live too. I just wish that uh, we had a. We actually did have a, a, a an old theater. In uh, Morgantown, where West Virginia University is, that that w- they were showing, um, uh, getting old prints of movies and showing them, mm-hmm. and then it basically went de- went under. Uh, you know, I, the way of the day, uh, that was a few years ago. But they, I remember they were showing Good, the Bad, and the Ugly and some stuff like that. But cool, um, yeah, there's a, Good, the Bad, and the Ugly would be a pretty incredible one to see. There there's too. so many that were made, like Lawrence of Arabia and stuff like that, that were made for that big screen that I would mm-hmm. like to see. But really, I mean, my gosh, just for the theater experience and everything, uh, there's so many classics. Uh, I'd like to see Cholet on a big screen. Uh, th- yeah, I mean, e- I could come with up, an I, Indian audience. I would go all the time if they if they had something like that that was local that I could go yeah. to. But I don't know, you know, what kind of crowd they would draw. Probably a bunch of guys in raincoats. <laughs> all right, here's the rest of his. My choice is very simple, very uh, straightforward, and easy. Uh, it would be uh, Lawrence of Arabia. There you I go. Yeah. Only seen on uh, Blu-ray so far. Uh, second question would be, uh, what's the worst movie you watched this year? Uh, I think the year is, of course, not uh, at its end yet, but uh, I can already give you a clear answer. My uh, worst movie experience this year on DVD was a turd called uh, Tomorrow You're Gone with uh, Stephen Dorff. <laughs> and although I'm a big Dorff apologist, I would say uh, this is really a pretentious, boring turd, really the, the most boring <laughs> movie and the most pretentious, shitty piece of shit I've ever seen. In the last couple of years, so really, uh, if you uh, see this somewhere, I mean, it has a decent cast, uh, Michelle Monaghan, Willem Dafoe, Oops, sorry. Stephen Dorff and others, but it's really terrible, so please stay clear of it. Or maybe if you have another opinion, let me know, I would be happy to discuss it with you. Uh, third question is... All right, so worst movie that you've seen this year? Jesus Christ, that's tough. Uh, I see a lot of fucking movies. Yeah, I, I I've been subjected to Transformers movies, and they're always turds. So I mean, you know, I don't even have to say which one it was because they all are fucking horrible. Uh, I hate that shit. So that's what I'll have to go with because just I, I didn't listen to the voicemail before, so I don't have any anything. Um, it's what I mean. One that I can think of recently was that fucking snuff movie I watched on YouTube that was so dumb. 
I mean, it was just fucking boring. Um, Black Frankenstein was pretty fucking terrible. <laughs> that sounds great. No, it's bad, dude. It's so bad. Starring Vigo Mortensen. <laughs> Roadhouse 2 was really bad. Yeah, that wasn't very good. Um, I'm looking back through my list just to see yeah, if to anything remember. stands out. I mean, we've watched some shitty movies because I know I've rated some pretty fucking yeah twos or something like that, but I just can't remember off the top of my head. Apparently, I don't even remember it now. This this Godfrey Ho movie called Majestic Thunderbolt. I gave a I put a one on my list, so that must have been really shitty. Punk vacation. <laughs> yeah, because you there. usually like fucking try and be more uh, diplomatic and try and find yeah. Colonel of Corn and the Turd. There was one called Beach House that I didn't like very much. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with uh, Son of God. I'm gonna go with. No. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't watch that yet. I haven't I either, but say, I'm going to. I haven't saved for. I'm waiting for that Kirk Cameron movie. That's the one be with fucking, fucking awesome. Nicolas Cage. No, no, the one where Kirk Cameron saves Christmas. Oh Jesus! <laughs> it looks amazingly bad. Um, we'll just say. Ah, fuck it. Roadhouse 2. I think I think Armin actually likes Roadhouse 2. Or was that Alan? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I will say that I started watching that movie Rays with uh, the uh, little Aussie stunt woman chick, and yeah. I turned it off like in about two seconds. So, But oh. I can't judge that because I didn't really watch it. So I can't say so, if it, it was just so brutal and horrible at the very beginning. I was like, fuck this. The worst rated I have seems to be Majestic Thunderbolt, but I think I'm going to say I'm going to say Roadhouse 2 because it was so disappointing because I didn't I, I, I was hoping for Roadhouse <laughs> 2, not what we got. Yeah. All right. Last question. It's a bit saucy. Um, while having intercourse with your partner, did you ever slap uh, her on her back or ass or whatever? So and what happened if you did it? So that would be my third question. Now, what was the okay, question? Uh, have a great week, and uh, again, thanks for your wonderful shows, and uh, talk to you soon. Bye. While you were fucking, yeah. did you ever slap your partner? He said on the back or the ass or whatever. Let us let me just say this. Uh, <laughs> it would be easier to answer while I was fucking, has there ever been a girl that I didn't slap on the ass? Uh <laughs> <laughs> and I, there's been a few that I have uh, actually slapped in the, like, the face, <laughs> but only what that's that's something that you really have to be. I mean, they have to. You have to know that they're they're as big of a friend that's, as you are. You save that for the really special ones. Um, yeah, I'm pretty much an ass smacker, and I don't care whether they like it or not. <laughs> <laughs> You just have to. I'm. I'm not to, really an ass smacker, but I have done it. I'm not. I have done it, I, but I'm not. I'm not really into the smacking. It just unless somebody asks for because it. you know sometimes I don't know. You, you kind of get that Ben Stiller Jennifer Aniston thing where you do it and then you kind of wait for the reaction to see what <laughs> they think. But usually, you know, when you're in that position, you're pretty much in control. So you, you know, unless mm. I've never had anybody turn around and say, "Don't do that." <laughs> But that's usually because I have a gag Unless you left the handprint, right? Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to say that when they're, when the, when they're slobbering on a ball gag, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> I think you have some questions to go over. <laughs> All right. Let's see. Let's get away from that kind of talk. <laughs>
Oh, you want me to smack you again? Uh, let's see. Uh, this comes from Mark. Okay, this is a comic book question. Okay. Uh, who do you prefer, Jack King Kirby or Steve Ditko? Um, what did Ditko draw? Spider-Man and... Oh, oh, Dark early Spider-Man? Yeah. Okay. Are you this eating? Is, I, I'm eating... I don't know what I'm eating. Are you eating on air, even though you know. know that people have despised another uh, podcast for doing that? I fat man. I, I I I never liked I never liked how Steve Ditko made Spider Man's head oval shaped. I didn't like the shape of Spider Man's head. I like Kirby better because I like Kirby's texture. Yeah. Um, the way he draws like the like the just the weird like the fucking explosions and weird cosmic shit in outer space, and I I, I prefer Kirby. I have always been a Kirby fan because I grew up like – I mean I, I just loved his shit growing up. I never read uh, – I never really followed uh, Spider-Man or Doctor Strange. Uh, I, I like the art. I like Ditko's t- – Ditko. I'll take Ditko. When he won with the Bears, uh, you know, with Jim McMahon and them. No. Um, <laughs> but I love Kirby – uh, I will always be – he's like one of my favorite uh, comic book artists. and But I still – like when I go back, most of the time if I had a Spider-Man, it was like one of those giant size ones or something like that. Yeah. And, or where he was in Fantastic Four or something like that. Uh, but still, I like that art. I, I actually bought two um, – hardback uh coffee table books of uh and when i saw this question i thought it was funny because i have two coffee table books and they're brand new that i bought on amazon of uh of steve ditko and the other one is uh jack king kirby uh but he is king and that's why i think, I think you're getting spied on huh <laughs> somebody knows you have those books oh there you go well it's yeah. possible i see when i come home and there's like there's like jizz all over the uh living room <laughs> And, I was, and I'm like, stick my finger in it and go, hey, that's not mine. Um, anyway. Uh, next question. Next question. Who would win a fight uh, between uh, Ultimate Warrior and now what's this? Is it uh, Cthulhu? Cthulhu? The, now, the, okay, now I'm not familiar with Cthulhu. That's a gaming thing, right? Or is that anime? No, no, no. Cthulhu was um, a HP Lovecraft. Invention. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. He's like he's like the the god of all evil. Yeah. yeah. Okay, because I was just I I never read uh, Lovecraft, but I was reading for some reason. The fuck was I reading about the other day? And I was and uh, oh, I was uh, reading a bunch of stuff about Hellboy, and they were talking about H.P. Uh, Lovecraft and talking about that. Uh, wait a minute, somebody so, just scored, and who was it? Wasn't the Flyers? <laughs> oh. So let me read some of the powers here. We have. Um, appendage generation. <laughs> we have auxiliary organs. We have insanity inducement. We have organic abomination, self molecular manipulation, self sustenance, and tentacle extension. Yeah, because that looks like that fucker that was in Hellboy that uh, Rasputin brought back. Oh no, that was talking about the Ultimate Warrior. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I asked on there if if he meant WWF Warrior or NWA or WCW Warrior. It's a draw if it's WWF Warrior because I think he described all of the powers of Cthulhu yeah. <laughs> as his own. 
by the time he got to WCW and changed his name to Warrior he and coat the whole time and, and broke broke uh, Davy Boy's back on the trap door in the ring, he kind of lost his mystique. Yeah. I like when they, they ask him about that uh, about hurting Davy Boy, and he goes. He basically said that was a bunch of crap that Davy Boy was so fucked up that him and Jim Neidhart were smoking crack on airplanes and he was so fucked up he couldn't even walk straight because he was on drugs so bad and that they just used that so he could get like disability and not have to. And he fucking like, he hurt Bobby Heenan at some point. Yeah, yeah. I would say. Jeez, man. It's got to be Warrior. I mean, you know. WWF Warrior, because he, yeah. he had the power of the Warriors, man. Yeah, and not only that, but I mean, like, he was like, uh, you know, he he would just confuse uh, Cthulhu. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ, they scored again. Oh. Two fucking goals in like a minute. <laughs> God damn. Who would win if if a little girl... Uh, fought the Flyers. Who would win? The little girl. <laughs> anyway, okay, let's go to the next question. I'm mad now. Hey, I'm mad. Um, Cthulhu. That's funny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is there any bigger scumbag private detective than Mike Hammer? <laughs> um, not that I can think of. None that I like that are in movies. Oh, I don't know. You know, there probably are. I just haven't seen enough. Yeah. Mike Hammer and, and Kiss Me Deadly is definitely a bastard, a sadist, a sexual deviant probably. But I will say Mike Hammer in I, the Jury, portrayed by Armada Sante, is um, – he probably in his in his spare time made like porno movies – because he is so sleazy, it's 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 awesome. You got to watch that. We got to. What about what about what about Jack Nicholson in Chinatown? Is he pretty sleazy? He was pretty fucking sleazy, yeah. but not like the, not this bad. Not in the same way. No. Like, Mike Hammer might have slapped uh, might have slapped Faye Dunaway, and Jack Nicholson wasn't interested in that. <laughs> he would have knocked her teeth out, <laughs> yeah. and so she couldn't bite his dick while he fucking get fucked, face fucked her. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, let's see. Let's move on here. Me. Um, if you didn't have to worry about gas or insurance, what car from what movie would you like to own? Own. Uh, you want to cover this one first? I'm surprised they didn't just score again today. <laughs> um, I was thinking about this because I actually read this question before we started recording, and Shit. I was like looking it up. I mean, there's there's so many cool cars. Um, my favorite car, like I always said, now this would be something I would want something. I always liked the 55 Chevy from American Graffiti. Mm-hmm, now, mm. but if I could have that and I could have it any way I wanted, I would want it to look like that, but I would want the inside to be all like have touch screen, have, you know, all the bells and whistles and shit like that. Now I will say this. The fucking, I think it's a Chevelle in Jack Reacher, the red one that he mm-hmm. uh, commandeers from that guy with the black stripes, is fucking hot as shit. Uh, and the new Jake Gyllenhaal movie that he's got coming out, Nightcrawler, he drives a uh, new Challenger that's like the red like my Charger is. Mm-hmm. And I haven't seen the movie. The movie looks good because it looks sleazy, really sleazy, uh, where he's like, 
this reporter that goes around uh, trying to get at crash sites before anybody else and all kinds of shit like that. That car looks fucking hot. Of course, the Eleanor car from the Nicolas Cage gone in 60 seconds is fucking hot. But I will say, and I've always, another car, well, I'm getting into car talk here. Another car that I always wanted, just because I thought, I don't know why I thought they were <laughs> the old yellow taxi cabs. The, yeah. The, the big four-door that looked like a big uh 1950 Chevy, the like the ones that they made in the Harvey Keitel Richard, uh, Richard was it Richard Pryor movie where they uh, fought with dildos and shit, blue collar. <laughs> blue collar. Is that Richard Pryor? Yeah. Okay. Th- Without a mustache, kind, that's why I don't remember. Of, it. <laughs> um, um, old yellow taxi cabs. I always wanted one of those, especially after watching like uh, heavy metal or. Um, the the uh, Bruce Willis Mila Jovovich uh, movie where he's a, uh, has that cab. I want something like that that looked like a cab, but on the inside just was like really had everything, you know. Also, but I don't know, man. Um, there's there's so many to choose from. Yeah, I the funny answer would be the family truckster <laughs> from vacation. <laughs> See, you always you you go the totally different way, you know. Um, I would totally fucking drive that. Um, what about the dog truck from? God damn it! <laughs> I know what happened. Nothing. They just scored again. Um, like the dog truck from Dumb and Dumber with all the shaggies. <laughs> nah, that's a little too much. Um, I'd want something that you know. I don't know. The damn, there's some cool cars and movies though. I. I always liked, and this this got me interest. This one got me interested in um, in classic muscle cars in the first place. Um, in the movie, I don't remember what year it was. The Camaro he drives in Better Off Dead, the John Cusack movie. Oh yeah, I always thought that car was. That's like a '67 Camaro. I thought was really fucking cool. I would still drive one of those. Let me see what. Let me see what year it is. Better off dead. 67 Camaro. I fucking adore that car. That one was really cool. Beautiful. So, yes. Either the Family Truckster or the 67 Camaro from Better Off Dead. God, three goals. Ugh. Carolina's still losing. All right, next question. <laughs> okay, next question. Let me get back to the questions. I had to just post uh, that uh, about how I'm ready to vomit because the fucking flyers are so <laughs> fucking horrible. Okay, this there's not very many questions left, but we'll just ask uh, another one. Okay, the car one. Me. Um, this is the last one, and this comes from Bad... No, 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 it's not the last one. Okay. From Bad James... The uh, world's biggest um, – what's that movie that he hates? <laughs> Prometheus. Prometheus fan. Jesus. Okay. <laughs> today's Sigourney Weaver <coughs> or today's Linda Hamilton, which would you basically – um, You know, I'm going, I'm going today's Linda Hamilton. Yeah, I've now, today's Linda Hamilton and uh, – in at at night, when the, the at uh, with tiki lighting, she still yeah. looked pretty good. <laughs> okay, but I will say this: I have not seen Sigourney Weaver. I'll have to let me look her up here. Yeah, she's looking a little grandma these days. 
I've is never a fan of hers anyway. Uh, even when she was young, like in uh, Alien and stuff like that, I never found her to be hot. The only time I found her to be hot was when she slutted it up with uh, Zool. Yeah. 2014 I, Sigourney. Mid 80s, I'm going Sigourney. Now I'm going. I'm going Hamilton. She doesn't look. Uh, Sigourney doesn't look too bad. But like you said, make make, make sure you type 2014. I did. <laughs> Eh, nah, I still, like I said, I've seen Linda Hamilton, and she's a drunk slut because she's let Justin stick his tongue down her throat, so <laughs> I like that. I'm going Hamilton. Yeah, uh, and the last question comes from the drunk slut, Justin Overholtz. For the yeah. <laughs> Maybe he was the drunk slut. Uh, yeah. Would you listen listen to this question, listen clearly? Listen closely, baby. Would you let... The American Dream, Dirty Roads, narrate your life, like in a movie or what? <laughs> Just I don't like, know. I'd fucking let him. Mar- I'd let him uh, narrate me taking a shit. <laughs> I mean, like, does he mean like uh, if, if as as like you're driving to work? It's like, and then Doctor Zom got in his car and drove to work. I would love. I would like my mundane life be it be like a Richard Attenborough documentary with Dusty. <laughs> Okay, and here we th- and here we see the majestic loaf the majestic getting out of its car, tears still in his eyes head. from his shower this morning of realizing that his life is not going to be what he thought it once was. Scratching his balls and sniffing his fingers, daddy, with his head in a pig carcass. Why? Uh, no, why does the, why does the loaf what? cry in the shower, daddy? I found Dirty Roads to be a um, pretty nice guy. He looked like he needed a shave. He was still kind of fat and sloppy uh, at FanFest, but I will never forgive him for stabbing uh, the big cat Ernie Ladd in the back and signing autographs at ringside while Ernie Ladd was getting double teamed in the ring. So, <laughs> and and, and he blurred Terry Funk's vision uh, in a Texas death match uh, that was never finished. What an asshole. What a dick. Cool. You can always send us feed sack to 206-339-1600. Uh, Silva Gold Podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Uh, find our show on iTunes and Stitcher Radio and our website at silvaandgold.com. And join our Facebook group to send us a question such as we just answered at facebook.com slash groups slash Silva and Gold. Or... Join Rasslin and Gold and come talk about Dirty Rose. Stealing Thunderbolt Patterson's gimmick, baby. He's a dirty dog. Um, no so, next... Go ahead. Dog. <laughs> next week on the show, <laughs> are we're doing our annual Halloween action-y horror-y. Um, we've tabulated the results and not gone with any of them. We've gone with... <laughs> Predator from 1987, one I've been wanting to rewatch for quite some time. And we're going to do one that the Cinemasochist recommended to him. We'll see if we want to murder him afterwards. Split second with with Rutger Hauer and Kim Cattrall from 1992. So this should be a fun one. Um, this was, for, was this is this our third Rutger Hauer movie? This is our fourth, fourth. action-y horror Okay, we did... The one we with did. the flower in the butt. We did. Oh, our fourth Rutger. I, I don't know about Rutger Hauer. I thought you meant Flesh our first action. Flesh plus blood, horror. right? Didn't we do that? Flesh plus blood, yep. And this one 
We did Flower Butt. We did uh, Hobo Hobo with a Shotgun. Oh, I forgot about Hobo with a Shotgun. We need to revisit that and re-review it again. (laughs) Maybe you'll like it better. No. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, in in that case, um, I am going to go get this show out. Hopefully it doesn't take six hours this week. Um, Zom, do you have anything else, sir? I have nothing. I gave it all. Gave it all. He is spent. He's going to go watch the Flyers. face. <laughs> what is that know, in the Cult of Muscle Group? What group. is that from? Cult of Muscle Group. Let me tell you something about that group. Let me it's tell you something. A little people. bit too adult for me. Um, <laughs> they have just humor. a little bit too much sexual uh, stuff on there. I'm leaving that group. <laughs> All right. Um, well, I guess that's I guess that's it from this week. Until next time. This is a loaf. Oot. Some coming from the boot into the boot.